All right, inappropriate Earl. We're back. Back for more after my casting couch episode. A lot of people were asking me if I just made that stuff up. Like I'm really going to make a casting director showing me his balls up just for laughs. So nasty. Uh, and no, I won't say the guy's name. He's no longer with us. So, uh, And then the second guy I'm not mentioning either. But his client's got a show on the air tonight if you want to watch. It's on a three-letter network. I won't tell you which one, but it's not Fox because they have the World Series. So you kind of scan the other three networks to see what what Ball's hottest new show is on. And uh, just look up uh, the guy's name on IMDb. So today I have a guest. You know, it's hard I, you know, to get guests to do this show because I asked him to come here. She has driven almost two hours in... Uh, LA traffic and I have the World Series on as well usually when the TV uh, the TV is off when I have an episode uh, but it's the World Series it's game seven put your hands together for someone I've known forever we recently bonded over the uh, a fallen comrade in the comedy world we'll get into that for Courtney Cronin Dold hi Earl <laughs> it's five to zero now in the World Series by the way <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're not. It's not like we're ruining um, <laughs> the score. By the time this airs tomorrow, uh, the World Series will be over, and white people will be finishing up the rioting. Yeah. Uh, so it's five nothing right now. Houston. Uh, I almost said Houston Arrows. That's a minor league hockey team. But uh, you know, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, it's been uh, a long time coming. Thanks for having me. I mean, I'm trying to figure out where we originally met i think at an open mic that sounds about right yeah i feel like i met you at this open mic in the valley a while ago and that's when you had longer hair yes i had the uh let me see the the yaramir yager jufro <laughs> you had longer hair and it was like super curly and uh we were at some open mic and i just remember thinking you were really funny and then someone's like oh earl has a show or something i don't know if you had a business card or, or not oh. but there, it had something to do with porn there was that, a porn star in the in the club with you or was no, on the show with us or something i don't mean to brag but i uh <laughs> i don't want to mention the the network on youtube because i don't want anyone finding these videos but i used to do an interview show that's it outside of sardo's uh, yes which is a porn star karaoke on tuesday nights and this company that has put out a lot of questionable content was like hey why don't you interview these girls so i interviewed puma suede it's like a porn star mm -hmm. i'm like i don't know who that is i don't watch porn <laughs> i really don't uh so you know it was horrible i was horrible you must have talked about it on stage then because i remember i remember meeting you there definitely and then seeing you around and then uh and then i think a long time went by before i saw you again and we actually spoke to each other which was at craig gas's show a couple of years ago you're the great craig gas uh yeah. who's uh been lucky enough to hold that same microphone you are <laughs> Along with Stephen Piercy, Bobby Brown. I'm I'm very excited. Stephen Piercy was holding this microphone. Well, and 75 comics you've never heard of uh, before, uh, but Stephen Piercy was uh, he was awesome. That's big for you. I know you love Rat. So Rat's my favorite group. Yeah. A lot of people think I'm kidding when I say that. <laughs> 
but uh, I don't think they ever got their just due. It's been one of the better bands from the 80s. Yeah, they have some good tunes. I mean, I people don't believe how uh, that I love Kiss because I, you know, I mostly go to like I'm mostly into Crowded House and Squeeze and that's people that know me well just only see that because I've been such a huge fan of, you know, of those two bands since I was like 10, 11 years old. But I also love Kiss and, you know, other bands and, you know, no one like sees that jump, but it's, it's okay. You don't have to like one kind of music. There's no rule. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're a metal head, you can still like, like I love the cars. Yes. I know you. Yes. You love the cars. I love the cars too, but I also like poison and I like rat and I, I had the winger, the first winger tape. I loved winger and I totally love enough's enough. And I love all those bands. I mean, it's just, I listen to music to be entertained. Yes. Like, uh, so when I put on Winger and hear She's Only 17, <laughs> which is crazy that back then you could get a hit talking about fucking an underage girl. Uh, now, I mean, now you couldn't do that song. You no. At least make her 18. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's like, this is a fun song. Like, it's creepy that they still play it in their concert. <laughs> Because they're like 57 yeah. now. <laughs> it's even worse for Kiss when they sing... Uh, Christine 16. Yeah, and Jean's like 65. <laughs> yeah, they probably shouldn't do Christine 16 anymore. Well, it's, <laughs> it's okay. You know, she's only 17 was kind of like, you know, daddy's little girl old enough to do. Yeah, I don't... I mean, that's just... I don't... But Kiss uh, and Christine 16, I think the lyrics are, that day I saw you coming out of school. Yeah. I just I had, had to have, to have you. It's like, dude, that's yeah. a little creepy. That is creepy. Even and he by, says it again. I just yeah. had to have you. And he's, yeah, it is a little bit creepy. I've got to have that's you. That's it. I've got to have you. It's like, Jesus, dude. I mean, you know, maybe when you're, th even when you're 30, it's kind of creepy, but, you know, God bless him for still being around. I know. With his solo band, like, Ooh. killing it. With the great Brent Fitz on drums. Brent Fitz, who everybody on the Kiss Cruise had man crushes on. He's so nice. He's so nice that you think you can't be this nice. What's your end game? Like, <laughs> and he's so talented. Like they all, they had man, mad, mad man crushes on Brent. Cause, uh, and I'll, it's the truth. Cause like when people are hanging out and like talking afterwards, just fans talking about the music, like I got involved with that. Even though I was like working on the ship as a comic, I was still like hanging out with people and just talking about the music. Cause it's fun. And that was one of the main topics was the man, the you know, like how everyone was just super into Brent Fitz and how cool he was and how awesome the band was. And just, yeah, there was a lot of talk about him. Well, he's so talented. Like, mm -hmm. he's not just a drummer. Like, right. uh, he can, uh, like, he just did a Sgt. Pepper's uh, tribute show in, I think, Vegas. Oh. Where he played guitar. Oh, very cool. And uh, keyboards. And, uh, you know, I used to see him Sunday nights in Eagle Rock doing basically what was a music open mic in front of two people oh that's cool he was in the jeff Leiter band which was all covers yeah huh. uh, it's just like a bar band and it's like wow what are you doing here like you're way too good to be playing in eagle rock uh and we'd go to denny's sunday nights at like two in the morning and just talk about trying to make it or whatever and now he's slash whitford holmes i know gene simmons and he's I mean, who didn't grow up a Kiss fan in his age range? Right. Now he's playing basically in Kiss. Yeah, Gene's band is pretty cool. He's got a really good band. 
because well, Gene's voice is, you know, he doesn't sing that much in Kiss, you know, a couple songs. So it's mm. still held up. Yeah. You I'd know. say it's probably split almost evenly from when I've seen them recently. Well, and sometimes they do shock me. Sometimes Tommy will sing that. And then Eric does some songs. Which uh, I think is sacrilege. I know. There's some people. <laughs> I almost wore my uh, Ace and Peter earrings that I bought from Penny Lee at the... Uh, you should have. I know. They're kind of cool. It's from Rock and Roll Over. It's like the faces from that. And then the back just says kiss. And I almost wore them. But uh, I'm not one of those people that cares a lot because when I was little and I was into kiss, I didn't, I wasn't like a super fan or anything. I just really liked them. And then I liked them enough that I owned some of the music and I had like pinups of Paul Stanley when I was in junior high and high school from like the teenage magazines. And, um, you know, I was, I was into him and then I just wasn't like people that are into it, like the, my friends that are into it, like the guys from podcast rock city and all the people I've become friends with on the kiss cruise. It is like, really serious like any kiss question you have like they know it like any kiss thing in existence they know about it like they get really i don't know i just don't get that into it but i was that into shit when um in high school and junior high and i was like that into the monkeys sorry i messed up i was into the monkeys like that that's cool like i went to conventions and shit and had like my room like wallpapered that was my thing but I kind of grew out of it. Not really. I still love them. But Kiss is something you just don't grow out of. It is like when you're in, you're in for life. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan to this day. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Paul's voice is, you know, uh, it's tough. I was going to let you say. <laughs> no, I love. I know. Listen, I, it, I love. Believe me, I'm in love, like madly in love with him. Like. Met, like crazy had crazy crush like in high school on Paul Stanley but uh and still love him he's signing his uh but he's doing a book signing by the way next week at Paul if you're listening come come on inappropriate Earl yeah it's only from seven to nine and I so badly wanted to be like seven two hours for kiss fans that's yeah. not long enough <laughs> it's gonna be about four kiss fans asking him 87 questions that's, each. that's what I mean so <laughs> so Paul come on inappropriate Earl we'll plug the book I know you're not going on Eddie Trunk's show so let's let's just get to the fucking point yeah he only lives like a couple miles from here i mean he doesn't live far well i would love to have him on because i wouldn't ask him the same questions tell tell us about you know uh, ace and peter and right right like, i would say let's get into mark st john what was the deal <laughs> that would be my first question to him and he would dig it yeah like, well maybe he wouldn't you know yeah. Well, you know what I want to say to people that are like, you know, I know they're on the Ace and Peter thing and yeah, those albums are great and yeah, the music's great, but I I think Tommy Thayer is doing a great job and I just freaking love Eric Singer. Like, how do you not love Eric Singer? I mean, Eric, if you're out there and he might be listening to this uh, because he's got a lot of time on his hands. uh, (laughs) He's the ideal podcast guest because he talks so much. Yeah, Eric. Yeah, he's a good interview. I would literally ask him one question. I would leave my house, <laughs> come back for two hours, and go. Uh, so, Eric, about the second question I had. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah, that's how I met Brent Fitz. Was at Eric Singer's house because mm-hmm. uh, that's where Brent lived when he first came to L.A. Oh, okay. And uh, Eric had two enormous bull mastiffs uh, called. Uh, uh, De Niro and Francesca. 
and uh-huh. to see these dogs take shits was just they were like 200 pound mastiffs <laughs> yeah i know what ma- yeah i always wanted a neapolitan mastiff but they might have been the that rule the it drool was, was just vile i couldn't do it eric's uh pool area where the grass was was like mm-hmm. a minefield of <laughs> massive <laughs> shit Ugh. um but uh, i have no problem with eric and tommy uh i just wish they had their own makeup but i know that's not uh you know uh, gonna happen right. but i also think it's like why not give them their own makeup it's not like people go that's peter chris because this guy's drumming in time uh you know, and, and you know, I think Eric has a great singing voice too. I love. Why are you taking a picture? Is that what you're doing? Listen, Courtney, I, I'm <laughs> I just a, panicked. I'm like, what are you doing, <laughs> Courtney? I'm a one man operation. Oh, here. okay. <laughs> this isn't the Joe Rogan experience. <laughs> you don't see Red Band over there. Another guy over there. I take the pictures. I edit it. Okay. And by the way, when I say I edit it, I'm just putting Stevie Rochelle's bumper music at the front and back. Uh, thank you, Stevie Rochelle. Uh, tough. If you've not heard of Tough, T-U-F-F. Mm-hmm. It's a good band. It's a couple years too late to the party. <laughs> but it's all good. Uh, so I take the pictures. You know, it's a little publicity shit. Okay. All right. You ready? Uh, sure. Well, I mean, listen. Yeah, yeah. Do the hair. <laughs> Girls have to do the hair. Plus, you know. I'm wearing a jean jacket. Yeah, so uh, like I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. And I'm going to take the picture, but like my favorite kiss makeup of all time is Vinnie Vincent's. I know. Well, you love everything Vinnie Vincent. I like Vinnie's makeup. It's kind of cool. Um, he definitely had some interesting colors going on with the gold and the black. The gold onk. Gold onk. I can't say onk without going onk. Oh, yeah. I can't. <laughs> I have to go onk. Well, I think that's what happens in Paul's mind when he thinks of Vinnie Vincent. Just an ah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't understand. I mean, I understand people that are passionate about the argument. I just don't have that passion about it because I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing now. And I, uh, I've like hopped around in life with Kiss. And so like I went from like late eight, 80s, early 90s Kiss, like into, you know, like present day Kiss. Like I took kind of a leap where like I didn't really listen to them for like 10 years. I not, think a not lot really. of people do like you kind of fade in and out of Kiss uh, just because you know they're going to be around in 10 years. So like this. Right. Kiss is going to live forever. But uh, but I do like going to see shows more now that I've been on the Kiss Cruise. It's just more fun kind of knowing people in the world and hanging out and seeing people who are just so into it, enjoy it so much. That part's kind of fun. What's so visually uh, amazing still, uh-huh. uh, you know, and I think if you go into a Kiss concert in uh, 2017 or 2018, I'm, I'm sure they'll be touring. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Kiss is going to be like Menudo. When Gene and Paul die, it's, it's plug two guys in and, you know, at some point there might be four black guys in Kiss. <laughs> I think it could work. But I mean, um, I think if you go in going, okay, Paul's voice is not going to be the strongest and he, he's, he's in his mid-60s. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the guy's been singing professionally for f- close to 50 years. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's not going to sound like it did in the 70s. Uh, you know, you'll have a good time. You will have a good time. You will definitely have a good time. You have to go in. You know, when I saw Van Halen at the Staples Center, and I think it was 2012 or whenever it was, yeah. uh, I went in knowing David Lee Roth is not going to be the David Lee Roth from 1982. <laughs> it's going to be... 
Um, a very gay David Lee Roth. Less hair and less cocaine. It's gonna be. I don't know about the less cocaine part, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I expected what I got, and so I had a good time. His uh, in between uh, song stage banter was uh, unbelievable at times. Really, like what was kind of some of the stuff he was saying? Was it like Paul Stanley stage banter? Oh, nothing beats that. Okay, no, that's uh, the best. When I get depressed, mm-hmm. and I might suffer from depression. Uh, and I'm being completely serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I get down. It's a it's a crazy business. Yes, it is. And, and stand up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just for many many reasons. Uh, I literally I don't take any pills. Uh, I go on YouTube, and I'm being completely serious. I look up Paul Stanley uh, <laughs> song banter things, mm-hmm. and it instantly cheers me up. <laughs> That is so funny. I know. I love when Craig does it in Paul Stanley's voice. Yeah. And he's like, Vegas is known for its buffets. Like, that just makes me laugh. I've seen that video. There's like that video someone put together. 75 minutes. It is so funny. I don't think I've seen the whole thing, but I have. I've gone through the one where, you know, where he says people. Someone made people. another one. It was like, people, people. It just keeps going and going and going with the peoples. It's I called Let that. Me. Get this off my chest. Is that what it's called? 75 minutes of Paul Stanley's stage <laughs> raps. But I like... I got to look that up. I know which songs he has the funniest raps to. So uh-huh. like Lick It Up, he has some really... Yes. So I'll go on YouTube and look up a, a Kiss concert from like the Crazy Nights tour. And, you know, I'll speed to about two minutes before they sing Lick It Up. And that's when he starts his rap. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. And like, there's one... From, I think it was the Hot in the Shade tour. They're doing rock and roll all night. So Eric Carr starts the, you know, the symbol thing to get the song going. And Paul's like, you know, there's a girl. And I'm not, I'm not Craig Gass. So I, I'm not doing a very good impression. But yeah, I don't there, do it. I don't do it either. There's a girl in the front row. She's on this guy's neck. And he can't figure out why his neck is soaking wet. <laughs> And even Gene is like, uh, what does this have to do with rock and roll all night? And he's like, she's got more milk in her titties than a half a cow. Did he really? Yeah, and you could tell Gene is like, like usually the lick it up intros builds into lick it up. Right, like right. It's an oral sex joke or, you know, and it instantly cheers me up for about three <laughs> minutes. I like when he doesn't know what he's going to say about the song and he just goes, this is a song that you guys know about a thing. That we did one time, you know it. I don't have to introduce it, but I'm going to anyway. And then he just keeps going. Yeah. And then they count into the song. That always kills me when he's not really sure what to say. It's like doing improv stage raps. <laughs> this is a like, song we wrote about some people that did some stuff. Until I could think of what song we're doing next. <laughs> right. Because right. I can't read the paper in front of me. And uh, but I mean, it's like it's still fun. That's a hot in the shade poster. That is, I have a. I can't believe uh, you have a hot in the shade poster. This is a. uh, Fortunately, right now it's a audio only podcast, but uh, I have a uh, hot in the shade tour poster. (laughs) You do in a frame. Well, I got this. There used to be a great store in Westwood. I guess I can. I'm assuming the owner of the store is not listening. Uh, It was called Mayhem. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it, it. this is going a little deep into the local culture, but it used to, if you're familiar with the Westwood area, UCLA, it was right by Westworld, the uh, arcade. Uh-huh. It's right, 
right next door and i would uh go to this place they had these it was like a bootleg store uh -huh. they had bootleg tapes uh d dvds posters like that uh and uh i unfortunately single-handedly am the reason it got shut down why well i used to play golf at my dad's country club uh-huh long story short mike douglas was a member there uh-huh and uh i saw him one day after i bought some <laughs> videos from this store i'm like hey mr douglas just saw kiss on your show it was amazing and he's like uh, how'd you see it i'm like oh there's this great store in westwood they oh. sell these videotapes it's awesome and not really thinking you know anything bad and then uh about six hours later i get a phone call at, at my parents home because it's that's how long ago this was uh-huh and he's like, Earl, this is Mike Douglas. Uh, I'm like, hey, man, great job again with Kiss. It was awesome. And he's like, uh, where did you say that store was? I'm like, oh, it's in Westwood. It's called Mayhem. Let me get you the address. <laughs> and I literally went there three days later to get more DVDs or whatever. And uh, it's we're out of business signs. Uh, oh, my gosh. So uh, sorry about that, guys, if you're listening. Uh, but this was before, like, you know, YouTube was really... Uh, you know, you could look up a Kiss concert and it's on there right now in HD. Right, but I used to buy bootlegs in college and they were on, some of them were on CD. Yeah, this is what this place would do. Yeah, I had some bootlegs that were, I had some crowded house ones from like concerts in the, all over Australia that I bought a bunch of and um, that's pretty nerdy. But uh, but I remember there was a really cool place in Kenmore Square when I went I went to college in Boston. And I used to buy stuff there all the time. That's where I have like most of my music from, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was just like great to hear like, a, and most of these bootlegs were, you know, soundboard. Right. That's what these were. So it's great. Like uh -huh. that uh, Kiss uh, show from 84 in San Bernardino at that, uh, some. it's not even a, a venue. It's like a warehouse. This is how bad, you know, Kiss was back in the day. Like, you know, in the, in the 80s in America, they were like kind of struggling at times. Uh, but it was uh, Vinny Vince. It's one of his first shows mm -hmm. uh, without the makeup. And it was like, wow, this is great. That's you know? pretty cool. I, I didn't even see Kiss for Real the first time I saw them. I saw them doing a promo on the Hollywood Center Studios lot when I was working on more sports. They were across the way. They were doing um, uh, promos for that 70s show. And we were just, ha we just happened to be outside. And one of the producers was like, we need people. Do you guys want to come and stand in the back? And then like, next thing you know, there's Gene and Paul in, in full gear. And uh, this was in 2002, I think, or three. Because I think when they went on that 70s show, it was right around the reunion era. This, it was a big deal that like, oh my God, the original four are back. But Ace and Peter weren't in this. Uh oh, watch out. Don't they weren't there. So, because I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure, but they were the only two that I saw. I didn't see whoever was Spaceman and Catman, whoever they were. I don't think it was Ace and Peter, though. And then I watched it again because someone put it on YouTube. And then I watched it, had one of the guys from Pods and Sods who's like a really hardcore Kiss fan. He watched it too. And he's like, I think you're right. I don't think, I think those are two actors. Uh -oh. in the makeup we weren't sure if it was even eric singer like it would i don't even i don't even know who that was i don't know i have to look again but i don't think they were there i think it was just gene and paul and then two actors because even when you watch the promo the camera's only on them 
But that it probably was to Eric and Tommy because you know I don't know. It's weird, like you know, so like even when Vinny was in makeup with Kiss, like the cameras would only be on basically Gene and Paul and poor Eric Carr and Vinny were like lucky if they got a second of you know. Uh, screen time it's even worse when mark st john was uh, in the band did he even ever perform live with them or was he just on the album well speaking of bootlegs those are probably the most sought after bootlegs because he played literally a a concert and a half okay he did play live i, uh, I wasn't sure about that i think in binghamton he played the, the this is how much of a kiss nut i am uh-huh. i think in binghamton new york he played the full show uh-huh. and then in poughkeepsie uh bruce Kulick played most of the show and then he came out uh, for the encore oh okay it's a very rare uh photo actually of uh the curtain call where it's uh five members you know it's bruce oh and, interesting yeah it's i mean it's like uh you know and the audio is even rarer because uh you know i don't think many people thought of taping that show. i bet we know someone who has it i would love to you know someone does this is why i should have been in charge of the kiss box set. <laughs> <laughs> was it people want to hear that shit they, mm-hmm. we don't want another version of rock and roll all night no you know we want like you know maybe a, a live song from the mark st john concert he played but what the hell maybe that's in the gene simmons vault i was just gonna say like is that something that might be in the vault but it, i don't think so well i'm trying know. to get russell peters to buy the fifty thousand dollar <laughs> version <laughs> would he do it russell's so fucking nice he probably would <laughs> I mean, because there's two, I think there's a couple versions. For two grand, it's something like you can meet Gene in the parking lot or something. Right. I have a bunch of friends doing that. I yeah. might consider doing that. Yeah. I know a bunch of people doing that. Yeah. Although I just bought Morrissey and Billy Idol tickets. So I'm, the Skakel Slush Fund is a little low right now. But for 50 grand, Gene will come to your home and mm-hmm. for two hours hang out with you. Yeah. God, I wish I had 50, like just an extra 50, because then I could get him on the podcast finally. That's true, too. Uh, but, you know, Russell's doing a little better than I am <laughs> in the comedy Russell's world. Russell's doing okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to Russell in a second. Uh, but uh, Russell's thinking of going to that kiss thing in January. I might go to. With the Vinnie Vent. For those of you not knowing, yeah. uh, Vinnie Vincent's long-awaited return to the public eye. Is uh, January. I might get the date wrong. I think it's for some reason I want to say the nineteenth in Atlanta. It's now it's not a Kiss. Con- is it a Kiss convention it's or a Kiss Expo? Yeah. So uh, and he's the special guest. You know, I want to guarantee he'll be there because I bought the motherfucking box set. I know, and you didn't get the. So this guy owes me a box set. Right. There's been a lot of talk about that about the box set. I know. I know a bunch of people going. The uh, Joe from Podcast Rock City lives in Atlanta, so he'll he will definitely be there. And um, everybody's pretty serious about this one. Looks like there's a lot of travelers going to this one. Did well, you go I mean, to the one here? Did you go to the one here? I went to the one in Burbank. Uh, okay. The seeds of what I think the reunion tour, uh, but this is in like 95. Yeah, I was going to say like 95, 96. Um, which was at the Burbank Hilton. It was a complete, I'll never forget it. It's a complete free for all. They had us out in the fucking sun for like four hours. Uh, and then 
we get up there and they're just letting anyone in they're not even checking like if you bought a ticket i was like what the fuck is going on here it's like a stampede to get into this thing was it just vendors or was there it was vendors but then at the end uh uh it was eric bruce uh, gene and paul did an acoustic thing oh they were there they were there oh yeah no kiss this the one i went to here peter chris was there but he didn't play or sing or anything but the coolest part about it for me personally, I know I didn't get to meet Peter or wait in line or anything like that, but I, uh, Pris, who's the all female kiss band, which they're awesome. And they played and Bruce got up and played a couple songs with them. It was pretty cool. Bruce is the best. Man. Yeah. That was pretty fun. And they did God gave rock and roll to you. It was, it was good. Yeah. I mean, I, at the thing I was at, Peter did come out to join and uh, I was so fucking tired by the time he came out. I literally could have cared less of Zeppelin <laughs> reunited in front of my face. Uh, but I think that was the initial, like, in the place went nuts when he came oh, out. Oh, I bet. I think they did, like, Hard Luck Woman. Oh, I think I've seen the video of this. Is he wearing a white T-shirt? Yeah. Okay, I've seen this. Like yeah. a dress shirt. Almost it looked like he got it out of the Steve Stevens collection. <laughs> you know, I love, I'm obsessed with the way Steve Stevens and Billy Idol dresses. Like, just shirt with four buttons open chest hair you know the gold chain and got his wife on the guitar like uh i'm leaving right after billy idol people are i've got like front row tickets oh cool i just want to see billy idol and morrissey comes on like you know wait billy idol and morrissey yeah. or a double bill at hollywood bowl that's weird well that's i think kind i of a weird combo knew the genesis of why they are doing it uh i uh a girlfriend at the time uh she works for like live nation and all that stuff uh she called me up and said hey get down to irvine meadows which shows you how long ago this is it's not, right I don't it's even, verizon now or something I, I don't even know if it's open anymore uh, i think they just do shows like during the the orange county fair i think actually yeah. you're right i don't even know last thing i saw there was brian adams and def leppard which is another weird double bill but it worked yeah i mean it's it uh it's weird how certain combos come to play, but uh, she said, get down here. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I knew Morrissey was playing. I'm like, I'm not really a fan. I'm, I'm not going to Irvine to see Morrissey. He's like, he just called in sick. They flew in Billy Idol. So I drove down there like a maniac because uh, <laughs> it was so weird to see Billy Idol playing to a pretty much an all Morrissey crowd. Yeah. And like the first song, they were all right, Ice Without a Face. This is all right. And then he got them on the second song. They were like, it was so weird to see an artist killing to another artist fan base. So I think that might have mm. been why uh, these Hollywood Bowl shows are. Uh, maybe, maybe they had like a handshake thing. Like, man, thanks for helping me out. Yeah. Like I was thinking about killing myself again that day. I'm sorry. That's not funny, but you know, Morrissey's so depressing. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't get into it. It's like, I mean, he writes some beautiful songs and I like when other people cover them. And I like Johnny Marr's songs, the songs he writes. Cause he just, that man can write a, a song he knows how to write a melody i love anything that had johnny mars hand on it so i don't know i mean i want to go backstage just because i can't imagine a billy idol fan base <laughs> meshing with like a morrissey fan you know v mr vegan anti-meat and violence and then you got billy idol's fucking you know fan base would probably eat a piece of wood uh <laughs> you know so uh i can't wait uh, billy idol still delivers yeah yeah for, you know for a guy who's like done the things he's done i don't know about his lifestyle but did he make some poor lifestyle choices well, i think he burned the midnight oil did he he looks pretty good though he's one of the guys who actually kept his looks 
I mean, a couple wrinkles, but like no, he looks good. I mean, like, I I think he I think he looks good. Like there's some guys who just you know they they wrote it out and like you know because girls look at music a little differently if you know like if you look at a band with a hot girl in it like you notice like a band of girls there's one you think is hot you're going to remember that one you know girls do that with bands like it makes a difference i think with whether or not they like the music like i think some girls just like new kids on the blocks they think they're hot right you know they're not like super into the music like i'll be honest that's what got me listening to the backstreet boys first album i saw the video and i was like holy shit these guys are like dancing in water. I had no idea they were being molested and forced into this. Like not all of them, but thank you, Lou Pearlman. Some of them. I mean, I didn't realize like how, cause I was, I'm the same age as them. So it wasn't creepy to me, but like now as an adult, when I look back on it, I'm like, Oh my God, that is not appropriate. That's not right for a 15 year old, whatever to be doing those kind of dance moves. It's, it's not appropriate. It's a little bit much, but well, I mean, <laughs> it's still one of the best shows I've ever been to was the backstreet boys show uh, right at the, peak of their fame yeah uh at the all-state arena in chicago you've, got, or, you've uh, seen them yeah my uh same girlfriend at uh -huh. the time uh said hey do you want to come to uh it's not chicago it's like a suburb of uh, illinois but uh, -huh. uh do you want to go see the backstreet boys i'm like i don't really want to fly to chicago he's like everything's paid for <laughs> I'm like, I'll, when's my flight leave uh, yeah and it was I, I was the oldest guy in the arena by like 25 years uh but it was you were the only guy there who wasn't a dad with yeah. daughters, basically. That I know of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And it was just like visually stunning. Uh, I felt bad for the actual musicians they had because they were so far back at the stage. Uh, but they're doing the dance moves and singing the like Desmond Child like pop ballads. <laughs> well, you know, Rafael from um, Paul's band plays with Backstreet Boys. I did not. New Kids. Well, he was he played on that tour with the t when they toured together. And did the new kids on the Backstreet Boys block. I don't remember the name of the tour, but it was, I saw the concert video. Yeah, I, I mean, I. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, those guys, uh, I like being entertained. And it was uh, right. very, you know, they're not singing about the rainforest. It's like, <laughs> you know. I, I always say about Kiss, I, I, I try to do material about Kiss, not in front of Kiss people, which sometimes is not a great idea. But I always say, like, I'm a, I'm a member of the Kiss Army. Don't ask, don't tell that I also love the Backstreet Boys. That's what yeah. I always say. Because it's like, don't tell Kiss fans that, you know. It's too much of a jump. Not really. Well. They're a little closer, you know, both, I think. Uh, I mean, of course, the Backstreet Boys don't play their instruments. Uh, but like. Well, they play their instruments. Oh, no, well, they played Lou Pearlman's <laughs> instrument. No. Uh, so nasty. He's the grossest person ever. If you, if you see the documentary about them, yeah. it literally will make you cry because they get to his house and it's totally, uh, it's abandoned, but the house is still there, you know, and you can tell like homeless people have just been like doing whatever they want in there and there's like walls coming down and they go back to the house and a couple of them can't even go in it. Well, it's just, who knows? Uh, they just can't. You know what? I mean, especially now in this whole casting couch, you know, uh -huh. like, it seems every day now uh, <laughs> some executives being taken down or Kevin uh -huh. Spacey or I know, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, maybe my film will get made, you know. Yeah, I know. I look back on the days when I was a young comic and I was like hosting at the Laugh Factory and I was like 23 years old and I'm like, man, I didn't realize that I missed all these opportunities. <laughs> I could be doing a lot better right now if I had just said, oh, okay, and close my eyes. Um, no. 
But, uh, but it's true, though. It I is mean, so true. And you know what's really gross is that me and some of the other female comics, like back then, I remember at it. I'm not going to mention names because I am not. I'm not. I don't want to get person. sued. Well, I would never do that. But um, but t- there were these there were these other female comics on the show with us. And I remember at the time, and this was like in the nineties that they were getting like deals and they were going out for these big things. And it was like, and me and these other girls were like, we were like doing, you know, we were having better sets more consistently than these other girls. So we, we seriously got together and had a real talk and we're like, are we supposed to bomb? Are we not supposed to do well? Cause you know, we're only like two, three years in, we don't really know. We don't know the business yet. So it really occurred to us at one point, not realizing that one of these girls was like dating someone who was helping her with everything. And we were not, you know, and uh, I remember that being a real conversation and going to Jamie and asking him, should we not do well? Should we tone it down? Should we not, you know, do the job of a comic, which is to make the audience laugh and forget about their problems? Or should we make it all about us? You know, and what did he say? Buddy, buddy, come back in two weeks. He's about, it's about the point of view. He always said, it's about the point of view. But, uh, I remember him t- telling me to dump my boyfriend, not for his reasons, right. but I remember he hated my boyfriend and with good reason, this person I was dating was so unsupportive. Was he a comic? We don't have to mention his name. But yeah, okay. he was. He was just really unsupportive of me and he always told me I wasn't funny and you know, of that's course, cool. It was really cool. You know, it made me feel great. Um, yeah, I remember I got my picture in the paper, like in my hometown and he was with me and he was like, like, oh my God, I can't even believe they would do, instead of saying, congratulations, that's awesome. You know, I'm like, eight people are seeing this. It's a small town. Like no one cares, you know, but it was like a big deal to me. I was performing in some seafood restaurant after 10 o'clock at night. You know, it's nothing special. Who books that gig? Exactly. It paid like $50 in a free seafood meal, like, cause that's what you did. But, uh, yeah. Oh, I feel terrible. I went down that road just now, but it's true. Like well, there, I asked you, no, but there, it, it existed and you know, Still does. it does now when I teach pretty funny women, uh, I sit in for Lisa Sunstead a lot and I teach the class. And one of the questions that the girls have for me a lot is about treatment and things that are said to them and how they're supposed to handle it. And I'm it just like, oh, it bums me out because I'm just kidding. It was just a joke. You're a female comic. You can take a joke. Sometimes that's true. You know, sometimes, yeah, we're just hanging. And, you know, you kind of are one of the guys if you're a female comic. A it lot. doesn't excuse. Uh, it doesn't excuse it. Right. Porsche behavior. Right, 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 right. So I don't know. I'm so... I'm on board with anybody who needs my support, you know, but I'm not a shout it from the rooftops kind of person. You know, this is like the most I think I've even said about it ever. What's such a, uh, to me, fascinating uh, subject because, you know, even the solo episode I did last week, it was, you know, it didn't really bother me when it happened to me twice until I started hearing like Rose McGowan. Yeah. and, And, you know, all the 300 people have come out against James Toback, literally 300 accusers. That's just insane uh, how it, they, they went so long without nobody saying anything, you know? I mean, I really think Rose McGowan should be given a medal of something. Oh, at least I'm, a role in the next X-Men or something. Yeah, she's really brave. I was really impressed with 
I mean, I've always liked her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like her too. But, uh, you know, she literally, every day, like even today, uh, Brett Ratner, Mm -hmm. six girls uh, came out against him. And it's like, tomorrow, who's it going to be? I know. Uh, It's like the lottery. We should be taking bets. Oh, I can't wait till it hits the stand-up world. Because it's like, I know, I'm not going to mention a name because I don't want to get sued. But I know of one particular comic who has uh, creeped on you know every female in the city with offers of road work and open up for me uh, and I'll make, basically i'll make your career and it's like uh dude you can't make you can't make your own career let alone this girl's career so yeah uh, you know he, he he was like molesting uh an ex-girlfriend of mine right in front of me one night i'm like dude you do you want your next set to be through a straw? Uh, <laughs> like he was, he had such blinders on to me. It was like, you, you can't think this is like, he didn't care. No. So, uh, no, I, when I used to MC at the laugh factory, I, I, I've had a few incidents where I've actually been actually like assaulted on the stage. It's happened to me three times, like very blatantly. And what's weird is the audience just one of the times the audience reacted, but the other two times they didn't, they thought it was part of the show. Right. Like, ha ha ha. It's part of the show. And I remember I was on the road with Bruce Baum, who I'd opened for one other time. And he's so good to anyone who opens for him. He always brings you on another gig. Right. You know, he always like, makes sure he, he brings you again. He's a nice man. And we did something up in Fresno and the local DJ would not leave me alone when I was on stage. And he, And when I was trying to get off the stage, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember he kept grabbing me and touching me. And at one point he wrapped himself around my leg and wouldn't let me walk off. And like where I was dragging him. Meanwhile, Bruce, who's a father is losing his mind and like running around back and forth. Like who is allowed? You know, he just like was flipping out about it. And um, afterwards he like gave the guy a piece of his mind and, said something to the organizers like this is so he cannot treat people this way. And it was like a, a big thing. And we ended up just leaving straight from the gig and driving home. And I remember being really embarrassed and like in tears and like not knowing how to handle it. But Bruce Baum, he went off. I'm a big fan of his baby man. He's the from, best. Uh, if you're old enough, which I am to remember the show laugh in, mm-hmm. uh, he was always one of the, uh, comics yeah, it was a show he was on laughing i thought it was make me laugh no i'm sorry yeah, right. yeah make me laugh he was a baby man yeah uh make me laugh with the host bobby van mm-hmm. and uh for you younger people it was a show where three comics would try and make one person laugh and i think each comic had like 30 seconds yeah and the, the, the longer the person would last the more money they got and, yeah uh, it was always him gary mule there Oh, that guy's so funny. Uh, yeah, no, he would always bring out his typewriter and go breaking news and hit one of the things. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, I mean, Bruce Baum's legend uh, for sure. It's still, he's so funny. Like this wasn't, this was, you know, I was still, I was, this was probably 12 years ago when right. this happened. But, um, but yeah, really funny guy, nice guy. But yeah, it was just, this guy just didn't think anything of it because he's the local DJ and we were doing a thing for his show or something, you know, but it wasn't funny at all. Well, no. Well, the I audience mean, was uncomfortable and it was just like this. We- it was just weird. But I one time I had a guy offer me money for sex after a show. I did a show for a fishing derby in Wyoming. I was on one of those runs, you know, and it was a, an ice fishing derby. Sounds like a triple gig. It was. Ah! 
It was. And it was up in Wyoming and I was really young. I, this was my very first like string of one nighters. And I think I was like 24, maybe 23, 24. I was really young. So I went, I don't even remember the guy I was with, the comic I was with. I don't even remember his name, but, um, when we got to the gig, I just remember very clearly there was a woman on the dance floor who had one, one eye like up above my eyebrow, like where one should be. And then one like down in her cheek. And she was dancing and she was like dancing with a guy who was like two feet shorter than her, um, dressed like a full on, like, like he was in a killer biker gang. And I saw them and I'm like, this is going to be a very interesting group. They were just fully dancing on a dance floor, just the two of them. And then we get down, not that I'm judging people by the way they look, it was just weird. Do you know what I mean? It was like a horror movie kind of just kind of creeped me out. Then we get downstairs and there's like, I'd say maybe 90 men and like 10 women who, oops, I'm in the wrong room. Like it was just all ice fishing derby dudes with like beards and, you know, and long scraggly hair. Like they haven't come out of their ice shacks. What do you call those things? Like just. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I watch ice road truckers, but. Uh, what are the shacks they're in on the ice called? Whatever. They're sh ice sheds. Igloos? <laughs> sure. They're, they're igloos. They haven't been out of them in months or showered. And there they are at the show. And it just got weird. It got weirder and weirder and weirder. And I remember I came off stage. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I didn't do all my time. He's like, um, you did twice as much time. Oh. I was like, what? I don't even have that much time. But I was just doing so much battle. And then at one point, some guy came up on the stage and grabbed me like this and like ripped the microphone out of my hands and went, everybody shut up and listen to Punky Brewster. Oh. And then he threw the microphone on the ground and walked away. And then afterwards was like, oh, I was just trying to help, you, you know, because I need help because right. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, oh, let me buy you a drink. You need help. And I was like, or I'm sorry. He's like, let me buy you a drink. I feel bad. Sorry. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. Thanks. And then this other guy came up and he must have been like 70 something. And he was like, well, I'd really like to buy you a drink. And I and I feel really sorry about what happened. And I was like, well, thank you so much. And I just let him. Then I had no idea what was coming. And he's like, I'd really like it if you'd come back to my room with me tonight. And I was like, no, thank I have a boyfriend and thank you though. It's very sweet. And then he was like, well, I, what about if I gave you this? And he pulled out $20. <laughs> he pulled out $20. And I was like, no, no, no. And then he's like, well, maybe this. And he pulled out like $60. And I was like, no, thank you though. And then I just went, there was a cop there who was off duty, but was at the show and I just went straight to him. I'm like, I need someone to walk me to my room. That guy grabbed me. That guy propositioned me. <laughs> he tried to pay for sex and I'm going to have a breakdown. So, and then as they walked me back, there was blood in the snow from a huge fight that had broken out between a bunch of the fishing derby guys that we had missed by seconds. Like it had just broken up. And I just remember seeing like blood in the snow from like the suit. It was the weirdest, scariest night ever. Wow, this doesn't sound like a triple gig at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure it does, but I don't remember the, who the headliner was. He was really nice, but I remember he called Dave the next day and was like, if you're going to do it during this fishing derby, don't send young girls in there. And he told him everything that I had dealt with that night. And I'm sure the next week Dave sent uh, a 20-year-old there. <laughs> yeah, it was just not, I mean, not that we can't handle it, but I was really young and not experienced enough to know what to do in there. Yeah, but yeah. a guy like Tribble wouldn't care. He's like, who cares? If you don't want to do it, I got 20 other people will do it. Right. I don't think he really cared. Oh, he didn't. I appreciated the guy calling. You know? Yeah, no. Some, some headline. I love those Tribble gigs where uh, 
you know, like the first gigs in Oregon and he'll ask you to stop off in Utah to pick up the headliner. <laughs> it's so true. I've forgotten about that. Can you stop and pick up? The, it's like 12 hours out of the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> this guy must really be killing it. If he's yeah. having the feature, pick him up. Uh, so, I mean, I did one triple run and that was it. I came home early. I was like, this is crazy. I, I remember I, when I went on another one, I was in, I did the, the Nevada run and I like to gamble and I gambled and I lost, I lost more money on the run than I made. And I remember I was in Lake Havasu like two weeks later with Ralphie and we were on a pay phone. This is how long ago this was. And we're talking to Doug Stanhope, who was not that far away at the time. And we, he was supposed to meet us. So we were calling him to check in with him. And I remember Ralphie was on the phone and I go, can I just ask Doug something real quick? And he's like, sure. So he puts me on the phone. I'm like, Doug, have you ever lost more money on a run than you made? And he went, yes. I can imagine that. a few times. It's no big deal. And I was like, okay. I just thought it was like this big thing. He goes, no, don't, who fucking cares? Don't worry about it. Well, not on a treble run. I mean, because, you know, when you're, you're, when you're in the L.A. Feature, I was the feature. I was making like three dollars. Well, I mean, I made enough to come home with money, but instead I gambled it and lost. Well, you're making a yeah. hundred bucks a show, which in theory, when you're on your couch in L.A. accepting the gig, you're like, well, that's kind of a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then you don't really calculate the gas money when you're driving. Uh, and food. Utah to fucking you know, Idaho, and then you got to pick up the MC and, uh, you know, Ireland. <laughs> um, and, you know, you don't really calculate. And then he doesn't pay for your hotel on the off days. Oh, I didn't have any off days. That didn't happen to me, thankfully. Well, which is the problem I ran into, because uh, just checking if we're still recording. All right, we are. That's <laughs> Sorry. Good. I know we got a little tangent either. No, no. Uh, talking about my when I was a young female comic, things happened to me. But I want to get into that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you lose so much money doing the triple run, uh, but you don't really think about it, you know, when you're at home. You know? No, I just was so excited to get on the road and actually get stage time outside because all I did was MC the first four years I was a comic, you know, and I was super grateful to be at the Laugh Factory and have that stage time. But it was hard to grow when I was, you know, warming up a crowd and trying to do material that was like warming up a crowd and not right. my act, you know. And so that I think, you know, it made me a better MC which is a good skill to have because it sure. is kind of a sucky job and it's hard work. And people, a lot of people don't realize how hard the MC is actually working. And a lot of times and other comics who host a lot will know this, like people come up and go, you were really great. You should be a comedian too. Yeah. You know, like you're not a comedian. It's like, no, 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 I'm one too. I'm just doing another thing too, you know? Right. So I'm just, you know, I'm taking a cannonball for these guys. So just a Gary cannonball. I'm taking a Gary cannonball. <laughs> Uh, the legend of Gary Cannon. I love Gary Cannon. Oh, he was, uh, he's amazing. Like, uh, and I don't, you're right. I don't think people realize how hard it is to uh -uh. MC a show or host a show, especially if a famous comics on the lineup, because everyone's there to see him or right, her, right. You know, and, uh, you know, it's tough to get the room going. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, when I go see kiss, I don't care who the opening band is. Right. Or is he kiss? Right. I don't care either. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been lucky. They're, they've had some, you know, when I've seen him, it's always been really good. And then, of course, I've been really lucky seeing him twice on the cruise. So I've seen, you know, they do a show outdoors for everybody. Then they do two indoor shows in full makeup. 
But it's kind of cool. Like they can't do any, you know, you can't have fire on a cruise ship because. Why not? Uh, because uh, you might sink the boat. I don't know. If there's a fire, you'll all die. You'll just drown. Thank you, Great White, for ruining <laughs> it for everybody. Oh. It was crazy. I mean. Well, I would have been at that show if it would have been in LA. I would have been, hey, this is the greatest special effects I've ever seen. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that was my dad's friend. uh, His girlfriend died in that. I remember my dad was teaching at Northeastern at the time, and another professor was, his girlfriend was there, but she died like two weeks later. I don't know if it was a documentary, but there was something like maybe a, some on YouTube I saw. It was like a fan made account of the whole night. Oh, okay. Just like, they literally show the the one exit that was, you know, just looked like sardines, like 30 people uh-huh. trying to like be pulled through it and, you know, not many made it out. And No, it went up so fast. I've seen the video. I mean, that went up fast. Well, even, uh, you know, they, ca- they tried to spin it where, uh, you know, the guitar player that died, I think Troy, I, I want to say Blakely. I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful to him, but it was Troy something. Mm-hmm. They said he went back to save someone when the reality was he went back to get his gear, you know, because, you know, I'm sure Great White wasn't paying a lot. It's like, well, those are my guitars. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, it's just a horrible. They ruined it for everyone. Yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. Well, you wonder whose idea it was in the first place. Hey, let's do a pyro show with 10 foot ceilings. Right. That's yeah. You know. I think that I think a lot of times people are afraid to ask questions. You know, they're afraid to speak up to their boss or whoever it is they were hired by and they just want to please them. And it's like, no, no, you have to ask questions. You have to be able, I mean, if you're going to be that kind of person, you have to be able, and and I'm I'm not trying to be funny. You have to be able to put out fires. Like that's your job literally is to put out fires. Like your job is to handle things so the band doesn't have to stress out about it. So it's just weird to me that someone even let that slip, you know, if that's your job. Well, even if you're not like the smartest person in the world, you got to go, okay, well, the pyro's going to go up 10 feet. Uh, <laughs> you know, the ceiling's 11 feet. That's cutting it pretty close. Uh, maybe we should hold off on that oh, part of the show. And, so like, horribly tragic and easily avoided such a terrible story yeah Ugh. no it's uh you know and then you had the you know the vegas shooting Ugh. uh you know i'm i'm going and i'm being completely serious you know going next week to billy idol and morrissey uh there was just an article today i think in the la times where the lapd are now uh monitoring an area that looks right over the bowl like oh uh, they were basically saying like I don't know if, you know, they probably don't want to say it, but I I think they maybe had intel that not necessarily from Morrissey and Billy Idol, but this is a great place for a shooter to like, you know. Gosh, the Hollywood Bowl seems so protected to me. It would seem like you'd have to be in a private home. Well, yeah. I mean, my sister lives up in that area, Whitley Heights, which Mm -hmm. is kind of, it's more, I guess, would be uh, to the east of the bowl, but like in to the west of the bowl, there are a bunch of hills that you know, kind of un. That's so scary. I don't. Even, I can't even think like that. But yeah, there's no. You have to now. I know we do. It's really. It sucks. I mean, it's really it, scary. And then you in New York the other day. I'm just like, it's been less than three weeks. It's been what three weeks? Yeah. Since and then here we are again. It's like, I'm. Yeah, it is a little bit scary. Well, I think our security... It's a lot of bit scary. It's not a little bit oh, scary. Oh, it's... I mean, like, every time I go to a hockey game at Staples Center, I'm like, you know, 
I'm just like looking around going, this would be a great place for a suicide bomber. Because how do you stop it? Like there's... Well, they have metal detectors at Staples, thankfully. But to get in, but like there's that uh, area like... The, oh, the downtown, the LA Live? Yeah, like... Yeah. That, I mean, it's like... And what could you do? Yeah. Every I time know. I drive by the Beverly Center... I'm like, I'm not trying to give you know, terrorists No, ideas. I mean, it goes through everyone's head. Like, this could happen it's here, like, and it's scary. Yeah. How have they not driven in two truck bombs, both, you know, the bar and the near entrance? I mean, you can't check every car that goes into the Beverly Center or... Uh, Earl, you already had Mayhem closed. Can we not <laughs> can yeah. make this worse? <laughs> so all you sleeper cells out there. Uh, but I mean, it's... It's a different, like, that's why I go to uh, certain metal shows at the Whiskey, because I'm assuming uh, ISIS doesn't want to kill four people. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> Firehouse at the Whiskey, it's a real safe bet you'll walk out of that show alive. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about the shows I go to either. I go to a lot of smaller venue shows, because yeah, those are the bands I like, and they're just older now, that's all. And we're just older now, and... I think the older you get and the older the music you like is it's like you're too old to go out or you can't get a babysitter. And that's why there's less and less people there. But I mean, very few bands from our era, wow. uh, you know, can still fill a venue. Like, you know, maybe Springsteen can still play like a stadium and, you know, mm. even Kiss is downsizing a little bit. Like they're, yeah, they're, if they're co-headlining, they're playing bigger venues, but yeah, yeah they did play when they, when they were booked at the casino Morongo, I was a little bummed out. I'm like, oh God, are we here already? Yeah. I are mean, we here? And then like, Cheap Trick was playing Fantasy Springs, and I was like, no, no, it's too soon. Well, I mean, Cheap Trick would open up for me if the money was right. I, I mean, just, I, I mean, I get them playing like certain, but I, when you start, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, a it's bit. a different, uh, music industry is so different now. That, I know. Like, Nobody you know. wants to pay for anything, and it bothers me, like, like people go, oh, your your friend's band is playing. Oh, can they get us in? I go, no, we're fucking paying. Because yeah. that's how they make their money. And if you want to see this band again, they're not going to be able to come back unless they're making money. Yeah. You I know? Mean, you know, it's like every show I'm invited to, it's like, it's oh, it's free. Okay. I'm like, no, I want to pay. No. Yeah, exactly. I want to pay. You know? You know? I mean, it's different if like if you're working and you're like part of, you know, like you're opening or whatever, but you know, and you bring like one friend, but whatever, whatever. And then if you go, like, I know a lot of sh bands do shows where there's no cover, you know, and buy some merch. I, I buy merch. Buy something. I even bought merch at Britney Fox at the Troubadour. <laughs> you went to Britney Fox. That's awesome. Oh, so, I mean, like I, I love Britney Fox. I just died Cinderella and they don't <laughs> play LA a lot. Uh, to my knowledge, this is the only time they've ever played it. I was like, oh, it's the Troubadour. I can walk to it. So I walked there. Um, it's like, <laughs> walked in. Like, it was not hard to get in. Uh -huh. And there was maybe 20 people there. Oh, but that's a bummer. I, I felt so bad. I didn't want to leave because yeah. I knew they'd see me. <laughs> and there's a black guy working the merch booth, which is never a good sign at a Britney Fox concert. Like, like, wow, you must be working for the Troubadour. <laughs> they just stuck you with this gig. And, you know, he gave me a T-shirt. I'm like, no, I'll pay for it. He's uh -huh. like, no, no, bro, it's all good. I'm like, no wonder these bands don't make any money. Yeah, I'm Like, no. here's 20 bucks. He's like, no, it's all good. It's on the house. I'm oh, like, God. And I still have the shirt. Oh, that's cool, though. That's cool. Yeah, I always, 
I mean, even if you don't have any money, just buy like a sticker or keychain, whatever. Because you're basically, uh, you know, even if it's a big band, you're not really putting money in their pocket, but maybe the roadies' pocket. And- That's the thing. There's other people that are depending on this as for their livelihood. You know. I mean, these Britney Fox shows don't run themselves. Britney Fox. The Britney Fox entourage needs uh, champagne and caviar for the well, post show. There's only one original member. I was going to say, the lead singer is different too, right? The lead singer is so embarrassed by Britney Fox, Dizzy Dean Davidson. He literally changed his name. I would change my name if my name was Dizzy Dean. <laughs> Not quite as bad as, as the uh, singer from King Cobra, Mark Free, who, uh, let's just put it this way, his name is now Marcy Free. Oh. He went full bore. All right. He was OG Caitlyn Jenner. All right. Good for him. Yeah. Great voice, though. I mean, I don't know what happened to King Cobra, but... I don't know any King Cobra songs, but now I'm going to go listen to them. They had that song on the Iron Eagle soundtrack called Never Say Die. It was yeah. a very poppy anthem, and somehow they got Louis Gossett Jr. in the video, and I'm sure he fired his agent right away after that shoot. <laughs> like, how did you rope me into this fucking thing? And here's an, an Oscar-winning, three years away from Officer and a Gentleman, and I'm sure he's like, you got me into this fucking video. I'm doing a scene with Carmen Apiece, you fucking bastard. Uh, so. All right. I got to check that out then. Iron Eagle, Louis Gossett Jr., Jason Gedrick. Uh, the great soundtrack. They had like, I think Scorpions had a song on it. What was Iron Eagle? Was that the John Travolta, Christian Slater movie? No, that's Broken Arrow. Oh, okay. Iron Eagle was it's kind of... Bef- it was, I think, the same year as Top Gun. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't say they probably rushed it to get to get ahead of Top Gun. Yeah. But then, uh, I mean, it was uh, a cult hit, I guess. You know. Okay, so uh, it's like Tombstone and Wyatt Earp. Oh, I wish, <laughs> I wish it got the numbers that Tombstone Wyatt Earp did. Uh, I just watched Wyatt Earp again the other day. Such a good cast. Oh my god, I didn't even realize it was th- over three hours long. I was but, sucked right in. Well, those were the eighties. You could do a three hour movie and like you know, it was enjoyable. Yeah. You know. I can't see movies these days. They're no, just, we don't go very often, but it's hard to go with my husband because I mean he speaks he's German, but he speaks fluent English and he he doesn't even have an accent anymore. He's been here so long, you know. But still there's things that he doesn't know what they're saying or like slang or if someone like blah, 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 talks too fast. He'll be like, what? What was that? So at home, when we watch movies together, he does a lot of rewinding and pausing and, you know, and then the first, the first time we went to a movie together when we first started dating, which was nine years ago, and he had, you know, he still spoke fluent English, but he still, you know, hadn't, didn't live in America for almost 10 years. So we went to see the, one of the hangovers. And I remember we were in a theater and there was like no one there. So it must've been, the, it must've been the second or the third one. Cause it was like, the theater was kind of empty. And in the middle of the movie, he just, there was some scene about something and he turns to me and really loud. He goes, what is semen? Oh. <laughs> like super loud. And I'm like, and I explained it and he was like, oh, and then of course we both started cracking up because he really didn't know. Well, I mean, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, I mean, I don't know how a guy would know what semen He is. didn't. He didn't understand the joke. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. possible. Yeah. He didn't get it. So he goes, well, I don't get it. What is semen? Don't say that too loud around my neighborhood. Yeah, he said it super. (laughs) You get about eight answers in about 10 seconds. Yeah, so we don't go to the movies a lot. 
Now, does he, what's it, I mean, what's it like being married? You know, does your husband have uh, problems with you? You know, you're around pretty much dudes. I have a lot of male friends and he doesn't care. He's totally fine with it. Like, I have mostly male friends, I think. And he's, he's their friend too. He's not jealous. He's a civilian. And it's like, that's why it works. You know, it's like, I hate using that word, but other comics know what I mean. Like, are you, you know, are you dating someone? That's the first thing people say when you, when you see a comic you haven't seen in a while, it's like, oh, you got married. Are you married to another comic? Is it a civilian? No, they're a civilian. Oh, good for you. So it's working. It's going well. You know, I don't know. Cause for me, my comic relationships went very, very badly. I'm only friends, like friends with one of the comics I dated and uh, like seriously dated, like we're good friends, but, um, but yeah, it just seems to work better. I think for me, and I think uh, you seem to look like you disagree with that. Oh, no. I mean, my last three girlfriends were comics. And uh, yeah. I think uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, it's all I'm around. So that's the only people I dated the first 10 years. I was a comic. I only dated other comics. I didn't date anybody else. I think he was the first serious relationship I had with someone who wasn't a comedian. I mean, uh, I go back and forth since college. Yeah. In terms of like, if you should date comics or not, you know, yeah. in, in some ways, I think we're the only ones who get each other. I, I completely agree with that. It is hard to get the type of people we are. I understand that musicians and comics go really well together as far as understanding the life, <laughs> I think. But I have it's I mean, come on. You and I are both friends with a lot of musicians like yeah. we, we connect you know, because we understand the life and sort of, I don't know, there's a there's something very similar about both worlds. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're, you're both, well, I mean, I guess uh, you're both kind of loners on stage, although I guess if you're in a band, there's some level of companionship with your bandmates, but because uh, I think a lot of musicians want to be comics. And, and I think that, and I think the opposite. I think a oh. lot of comics want to be rock stars, and that's why I love that show that guy does where he has the comics come up and sing. I feel terrible. I, feel, I don't the know. The goddamn comedy Yes, jam. I think that was such a great idea. The great Josh Adam Myers. It, that's his name. I, I think that was a brilliant idea because it's so completely true. And But there's so many, you know, so many of us that don't have, you know, any talent in that area. Well, don't <laughs> let that stop you. Right. <laughs> he always promised me, he's like, you know, because I know, you know, you want bigger names on the show. So you can say, oh my God, that's Dave Chappelle singing... Uh, you know, I don't know. Run DMC is a girl. If you can get Steven Piercy on the show, uh-huh. you can do it. And, uh, you know, I've come close. Steve's, I love him. It's Chips Enough should be on it because he's so funny. Yeah. I mean, uh, he would be hilarious and awesome. And then to have him play, I mean, that'd be great. But I would love to sing Lay It Down with Steven Piercy. <laughs> you know, I got the vocal tone for that particular song. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I think it's on Comedy Central still. So yeah, uh, yeah, that show's good. Um, but well, let's uh, you know, I could talk to hours. You could what? I could talk for hours with you about I this know. business. I know, and I don't want to burn out your audience. Sorry, everybody. No, no, we're gonna talk for a while more. Uh, but I don't, uh, you know, it's kind of a sad uh, subject to bring up. Oh yeah. But uh, you know. No, it's not uh, James Toback or uh, Harvey Weinstein, guys. 
because I want to give you a shout out for what you did uh, last week. You helped put together the Ralphie May Memorial. Oh, me. I thought you were giving a shout out to Harvey Weinstein. Shout out to Harvey Weinstein. (laughs) I misunderstood. Shout out to you guys. By the way, how many massages do you need, Weinstein? See a fucking chiropractor, you bastard. Thanks for being dicks. (laughs) Those guys were out of control. Uh, You know, but that's... You know what can you do? Like with oh, those they're going guys, down. this is this they're is, already down. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. This uh, is going to end Kevin very Spacey, very badly. House of Cards being canceled. Of course, they're going to complete the season. You know, we don't want to. You know, oh, this is going to end very very badly. I think it's just starting. Uh, right, it is. That's what I mean. The, it's going to end very badly. Like once, if it ever stops, you I know, don't think it will. It's, no, I, I think it's like terrorism. You, you can never. You'll never stop terrorism completely. No. You can maintain it. Yeah. Hopefully be ahead of it. But, you know, you're never going to stop sexual harassment. No. As long as there's people trying to make it. (laughs) Yeah. And there's people above those people in power. Right. You know, uh, it's just the way it is. So hopefully through Rose McGowan and every male and female, uh, Ugh. speaking out you can uh, maintain it do you know that i've actually been the victim of a reverse version of that i'm not even kidding like i tried to get hired by this guy who very clearly uh hired women he wanted to sleep with Is it brett ratner no uh, no sorry no this guy's way below that he's a very small potato he's a small small potato and uh and he wasn't he didn't find me attractive and which is hilarious because he's freaking disgusting um but uh and that was an unsaid unspoken part of why there was it's it's a long story but well we got time get into it no i can't because then people will know what i'm talking about but it was just really obvious like not she's not my type you know it was kind of like that i was like um what do my jokes have to do with whether or not you're attracted to me right this should have nothing to do with it. It's never had before. <laughs> so that was pretty gross. That was very recently. So Oh, well, we yeah. won't get into that. But yeah. can I get the Booker's info off air? I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'll tell you the rest. I'll tell you the truth. Yeah, I should start a podcast called the Off Air Podcast. <laughs> this is off the record. Yeah. But I mean, I think it happens as almost as much to uh, men. Uh, the casting couch because sure. you know i would say my experience is at least 40 percent of people in casting are gay yeah and uh, you know they de- you know i've had a few situations that you know looking back now like oh uh and certainly when you get on set you know hair makeup you know pas you know i would say tw- at least 20 percent of any film or tv crew are gay if, if not more yeah. but i'll say 20 percent just to keep it low so you know there's all kinds of minefields you have to navigate and- it's the funniest part of soap dish betsy Faye sharon she's the casting person played by carrie fisher and she brings in hunky guys and she's like and they're doing like a you know one line part and the line is will you be having wine with dinner and she's like let's try it again but with your shirt off Right. She makes the guy take his shirt off to do you'll be having wine with dinner. And then you can, you know, when she answers the door later, she's like fixing her clothes. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that's real Hollywood. It's really funny. But yeah, it's, it is sadly true. Sad, but true. Well, you know, hopefully 
now that people see big name actors speaking out, they feel a little more confident. And I hope you know. they do. I hope the women out there listening do do say something. Yeah, it's the I only way to do. stop. It's the only way to stop the. I mean, you're never going to stop them completely. No. But, uh, you know, hopefully you can maintain it. But uh, yeah. You know, but to end the podcast on a somewhat happy note, because it'll be a little tribute to, uh, you know, you did an amazing job on the Ralphie May Memorial at, at the Improv uh, last week. Thanks. Uh, you know, you put together the video package, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, was really amazing. Um, how did you know Ralphie? Like, um, I met Ralphie right when he moved here. He... Uh, came to the laugh factory. Uh, he moved here from Houston and, um, that's where he was. That's where he started comedy. And we just became instant friends. We just, I remember seeing him the very first time he was wearing a big yellow shirt and he was on stage when he still wore his glasses and he did this bit about going down on women and about how fat guys are the best. And I remember watching it and being like, this is the most disgusting bit. It was so dirty. Right. And that, but I was laughing at the same time. And then I, and then when he came off stage, there was this very different sweet guy, right? you know, and I, and um, we just started hanging out. It just happened organically. Like we just saw each other. Cause I was um, there all the time. I hosted like three, four times a week back then. And I was, saw him almost every day. So we just started hanging out and became really close friends. And um, I, used to go on the road with him and and then when he met Lana I'd go with both of them and and I spent a lot of time with Ralphie. I had my first two writing jobs with Ralphie. We worked at More Sports together and we worked on a show at MTV together and What MTV show? Um a show for um for Jeff Ross called Bash. Okay. Yeah, it was the roast of Carson Daly. So so we worked on that together and, um, and then we do gigs together after work. I drove him around everywhere. I remember that I used to drive him, even though he had the car when he first got here, he didn't, but then he had the forerunner and then, um, but we, we spent a lot of time together. We got really close. Ralphie actually for his 30th birthday had a roast. That was the first roast he was ever a part of it was his 30th birthday at Dublin's Oh my God! upstairs. And he and Lana asked me to host it because they, because I, I mean, just because I was always hosting everything, but I didn't know how to host a roast. Like I didn't know what I was doing. So I remember I called Jeff Ross and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, help me. I have no idea. He's like, oh, it'll be fine. It's just a birthday party thing. Like, you know, it'll be fun. And he kind of like talked me through it a little bit. And I still just didn't know what to do, even though he like helped me out. I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. And, um, so I'm not really like I've written for roasts, but I'm not the type of comic who would tell the jokes or say them. Even right. then I wasn't, you know, so I just wrote a poem and just like made it silly. And, and it, I remember um, very specifically uh, that I remember Lana saying to us, you guys don't do a bunch of jokes about his weight. Like just right. don't just take it there. It's his birthday. And I, and, and I totally saw her point, you know? And, uh, and I was like, okay, so I didn't, and and a few other people didn't either. But Doug Stanhope was like, nope, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> but Ralphie was okay with it um, for the stuff that he did, and like I think KP Anderson had a really had really funny stuff too. And uh, but that's all I remember being there was Jeff, KP Anderson, Doug Stanhope, and I don't remember who else went up. I think and this girl Lauren, I forget her last name, but she was really funny. Um, she was friends with Doug and with Ralphie. 
Okay. I forget her last name, but this was, I mean, this was a while ago. So she, uh, she kind of opened that door, but Ralphie went up at the end and he just like destroyed us all. Like there were no, <laughs> there was no holding back. It was really fun, but all really funny and fun. And it was like one of the only times I've been a part of a roast where there were no hurt feelings. No one was mad. No one was like, fuck that guy. Cause that happens a lot, you yeah. know? Oh yeah. You know? So, you know, there was none of that. It was just like this total love fest. It was really fun. And, um, and I remember that was the, that was the first time I remember that night. I have a whole roll of film from that night. I can only find that one picture for the slideshow, but I got to go through. Cause there's one of, uh, the one of the girls that just had a baby and she still had breast milk and she's like pinching her boob and Doug Stanhope's pretending to drink the breast milk. And it's like the best picture ever. So I have to find that. <laughs> Those are the halcyon days of uh, Dublin's. This what? Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember Ralphie's first line was, well, this is be the first and only time some of you will ever be on this stage. What? So yeah, it was pretty funny. So that was a fun night, but yeah, he was just a big part of my life and uh, my sister planned his wedding and, I was always close with he and Lana and he's had my family over for holidays. He spent Christmas at my house at one time and we were just good friends. And then, you know, you get older, you get married and, you know, and you start seeing each other less and less, you know, cause back then we saw each other all the time. Right. I mean, I used to live in his apartment and take care of the dog when he first got pimp um, because I was his friend. He wasn't, famous right. he wasn't in fact he was just ralphie and that was his email back then i don't know if you remember this but his email was just ralphie at aol wow aol that is back yeah. i'm still on aol this is way back but he was just ralphie but that's who he was he was just ralphie he was our friend right you know it was the same thing i would have done for any of my other friends you know they just maybe weren't as funny as ralphie like ralphie was always like two people crazy are. fucking funny even back then you know, there was no denying that he was going to do very well, you know. And um, I remember falling asleep in the back of like one nighters and Ralphie would still be on stage and it'd be like two hours later. And I and it took, you know, it wasn't until we were really close where I would be like, Ralphie, and I'd be yelling from the back of the room. Can we please go home? Because <laughs> like, I had to drive. Right. And he'd still he would. God, it was amazing. I didn't even think people could do that much time back then. Yeah, I mean, it's. I it's thought an hour was impossible. I mean, I can. I think the longest I've ever done was an hour and forty minutes, oh. and I I didn't have another minute in me. Like, yeah, I don't even think I've ever done that much. I mean, yeah. I've only done it once. I mean, yeah. you see Chappelle show up at the comedy store. I think he showed up last night and did two hours, and it's like, <sighs> I don't want to do anything for two hours. No, as much I, as I love stand up, no. Uh, you know, I'm I'm good with a nice forty minute. You know, something yeah. in that range. Want want the crowd to want more. Yeah. Uh, I've never understood uh, some of these comics who want to do five, six hours just to jack off uh, <laughs> their own egos. <laughs> you know, oh, sorry. Can I say one more thing about Ralphie? Oh, we're still going to. We're, I got Because I love Ra okay. Ralphie was the fucking bet. We can take the next two. I'll miss my yoga Ralphie. class for Ralphie. I love Ralphie. I love him so much. Um, Ralphie. Uh, we did this show one time. There was this guy down in San Diego who used to book us together. Doug James. No, no, no but I I've done. Yeah. Doug James, um, Doug James directions, the no. most thorough directions before GPS. Remember? Well, that it depends on if he was drinking yet or not. <laughs> Doug James directions. Um, so 
we had this show and this guy, it was no fault of his. He thought it was going to be awesome because there were like 300 people there. But what, uh, what ended up happening was it was the opening of a new bar in, in Pacific beach. And it was an open bar for the first hour. And they decided to put the comedy show on at the same time something. I think it was open bar all night. Was it moon doggies? No, but I've done that gig with him a bunch of times. Yeah. And he, um, this was, uh, I don't think this place even exists anymore, but it was like three stories and there was like a balcony kind of overlooking the bar and we were like up high and that's where the show was. So the MC went up and just did battle. No one's listening. I go up after him, just battle, battle, battle. It's awful. And then Ralphie is so irritated, <laughs> like, but not mad. You know what I mean? He just thought it was funny. So he goes, watch, watch, watch what I'm going to do, you know? And I was like, okay. So he didn't say it like that, but it was something like, I'm going to go do something to fix all this. So he goes up and he just stands in front of the microphone and right away people are paying attention because he's very commanding and oh, absolutely. he just starts singing the word cunt <laughs> like over and over and like, not just going cunt, cunt, he was going cunt, 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 like really and he just kept saying it over and over. I swear to God, for like two straight minutes, Earl, just saying and singing the word cunt. <laughs> and it, it worked. Like it got everybody's attention. And then he went on with his show. And I was like, wow, I should have done that. I should have just gotten it. How do, I should have known. And oh my God, I love that story. It was so funny. It was so fu No one in the room thought it was funnier than, I think his name was Dustin. Dustin and myself. We just, oh my God, we were dying. That, that was Ralphie wanting to make sure you had a good set. Huh? That was Ralphie, like, always wanting, I mean, because you were going on, you hadn't gone on yet, had no, you? No, I went on. Oh, I, I thought it was just on. the host had gone on and bombed. Uh-uh. No, I went on and did major battle, and then he went up at the end. I feel like that's how it happened. Maybe he did go up in front of me. I thought you told me, because you told me this story last like week. 15 years ago. I thought before, right before you went on, he didn't want you to bat. I'm oh, not maybe telling you he the did. story. No, no, maybe he did. Maybe he did. Because I feel like, I feel like he did it to sort of save me. Right. <laughs> oh, maybe he did. You're right. Which is what I, like, that's Ralphie though. Most headliners yeah. would want that the feature to let them they don't care fish out the struggle so i right. can just ralphie wanted you to have a good set oh god okay i think you're right i'm i don't well i'm remembering what you told me yeah. last week now no, I, I think remember, you're right i'm telling it wrong you're right he did go up in front of me i remember That's why last, it was weird you know last week we were we were all in the fog of you know <sighs> just uh yeah. you know being sad that night but happy at the same time too uh draw such an amazing group of comics together uh, like only even ralphie in passing sold out the improv <laughs> i know and that's why I, when i made the video i really like they were like oh just make it 10 minutes and as i'm cutting it together i'm like this is gonna be 20 minutes like I, it was 34 or something originally once i put everything in it and i was like well it can't that's a little long you know right but i felt like 20 minutes was like the right amount of time and I don't think anyone was ever bored during the video. Ralphie, you could not watch Ralphie, whether it be in person or, right. or video or audio and be right. bored. So that's what I mean. So when, when, when I was told, you know, cause 
I just wanted to do right by him and by his kids and, you know, and Lana and his good friends and his family that was there. I just wanted to like, and you know, there, I had a lot of help, like, you know, Stacy Pacluda, who's been Ralphie's publicist forever and friend forever. She, you know, helped me with, you know, with the clips and getting clips. And then Corey and Chad were really sweet. They sent me a bunch of stuff for the slideshow and that their stuff really made the slideshow like those, like some of the videos right. and some of the stuff that was great. And then, you know, and, uh, Gabe and, and his wife, who's a photographer, like she had some wonderful stuff that she contributed and everybody sent stuff and it was great. Like, and, um, and it was when I was putting it together, I felt like he was still alive. Sure. Cause I was watching him every day. And then, oh, and then after the memorial, after everybody watched it, and then the memorial was over, because I was a little bit manic at the memorial. I remember I put on waterproof mascara, because I'm like, I'm going to cry. So I got to put on waterproof mascara. But I didn't really cry. I cried the next day. Sure, sure. Like, because I'd already cried quite a bit, <laughs> right, when I found out in the, in the days following. And and was really sad. And then, and then I was like, I got to get to work. I got to do this, you know? So I spent the next 12 days working on the memorial. And then after I saw it and then everybody saw it, it was the next day that I really felt like he was actually gone. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, but it was such a lovely ceremony to, and pretty much every comic who spoke, I think it was about 10 of us and mm -hmm. uh total it was different stories but the same theme how giving ralphie was he was very very generous oh very my God. generous just i mean the things he would do for me you know, like, and everyone had the same story either road work tv gigs right. uh you know words of uh encouragement yeah. uh, he helped me start writing he encouraged me to write. And then I realized, Oh, that's really what I'd rather be doing. He was right. You know? And he like pushed me in that direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it'd be another hour to cover. all. <laughs> Not that I'm successful or anything, but this, but that's what I do. I mean, I write, but for you some, are though, You're but I write for a lot of comedians and I, I prefer it. You know, I prefer it to performing. See, I'm the opposite. Yeah. I'd rather pay people to write my jokes for me. <laughs> like in roast battle. I don't think I've written one roast joke. <laughs> I'm like Bon Jovi. I, <laughs> I have a bunch of Desmond Childs just writing me those hits, and then I tell them. So, uh, but that was like my first, uh, you know, because me and Ralphie were on Roast Battle together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had a win against uh, Jimmy Carr, uh -huh. which a lot of people didn't think I beat him. And Ralphie was the first person uh, to message me and say, <laughs> Well, I can't really say what he said, but like, <laughs> he was like, fuck all those haters, man. You beat his ass. And like, he didn't have to do that. You, you know, he, yeah. he knew I was, you know, because those online reviews, not just of, you know, yeah, you know, of anyone's comedy and, 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 you know, especially roast battle. Cause it's kind of an aggressive, you know, it's a fairly aggressive show. Yes. You know, uh, and Ralphie was the first person to be like, hey, man, your name's on. And once again, I'm doing a horrible, imp I'm not trying to do an impression <laughs> of Ralphie. Uh, so your name's on the wall at the comedy store, motherfucker. Who can say that? I'm like, you know, it's like he always would try to make you feel better. Yeah. You know, or, I know. Would, you know, you would compliment him. You know, like I, I think the last conversation I ever had with him was, dude, you 45 years old. You've got eight specials. You know, Netflix, Comedy Central, too many TV uh, appearances to even, you know, go over. And instead of bragging or gloating, 
He was like, Earl, your special's coming. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I'm 49. I don't have one special. He's like, it's coming. Like he would always. He didn't say that stuff to everyone either. I don't think he did. I think he, I think he was supportive of people he really believed in. Yeah. And, and also people he thought were night, like good people, you know? But I know that um, one time, one time he answered the door um, I was picking him up for something and he opened the door and he was naked. And I go, God damn it, Ralphie. Why are you naked? He goes, mama, I'm not naked. I'm wearing shorts. You just can't see them. And we just started laughing. And I was like, let me see your shorts. And then he moved to the side. I'm like, okay. And <laughs> yeah, it was- uh, he would do stuff like that though. Like Ralphie always would drop his pants, but in a really funny way. One one time he chased me around a, a rest stop or a, like a circle K somewhere. We'd stop for gas or something in the middle of nowhere. And Ralphie dropped his pants and started chasing me around going, Cordy Cronin, give me some of that sweet, sweet ass. Get over here, Cordy Cronin. And just running after me with the, with his pants at his ankles. <laughs> Shuffling around the store. Oh my God. It was so funny. He loved to embarrass me because I'm so easily embarrassed. He would shout shit from the back of the room when I was on stage. That was like so embarrassing. I don't even want to repeat it right now. (laughs) Like personal things I would tell him and he would repeat it in a room, like not here, but like out somewhere, you know, like in Arizona or wherever we were in Boise one week and like there he would do it. (laughs) Well, he was like, he would light up a room. Mm -hmm. I think Jeff Ross said it the best at the memorial, like, you never really noticed Ralphie's physical size. It was just his smile. Oh, yeah. His, it, which is true. I never it's once true. looked at Ralphie as like, hey, this guy's pretty, you know, uh, large in stature. It was like the smile and the, the southern drawl. And, That's what I tried to capture in the very beginning of the, the video package. It's right. all Ralphie, just his face. Yeah, because that's all. I mean, that's all I think about now when I, yeah. I don't even see his physical body. I no. just see uh you know that that's fucking smile and i like, know um you know i think the last time i saw him at the comedy store i think it was sammy shore who may, might not be in the best physical condition he, he was staying at the andaz next door and uh you know he had a lady friend with him carrying like a bunch of roses and shit and uh I was like, wow, this is going to be a tough walk for them to get over there. And Ralphie grabbed me by the arm and said, come on, motherfucker, are we going to help him? <laughs> and, you know, it was a tough walk for Ralphie, mm-hmm. too, yeah. you know, And but that was Ralphie. Like, even though it was, you know, because if you walk from the comedy store to the Andaz Hotel next door, it's it's not an even walk because, you know, you're basically sidewalking, uh, yeah. you know, because it's a tilted sidewalk for the most part. And that was Ralphie, like. This is gonna be a tough walk for me, but I'm gonna we're gonna do it. And we walked him to his room, and mm-hmm. like that's just his generosity knew no uh, no end. No, nope. he was very good. I mean, Jeff also said that they fed all the open micers in in town. It was true. They'd have these barbecues all the time, and back even at Gardner, when they had the little backyard, Ralphie would be having barbecues back there, and it would just be packed with comics, and everyone would come over to eat, and. Uh, and I remember he'd let the barbecue sauce sit on the stove overnight. He'd say he'd simmer it and let it cook. I mean, he really took pride in that. And um, in fact, in his, I don't know if anyone's ever told you this story, but Matthew McConaughey owns the building next door to Ralphie's old apartment. I didn't at know Gardner. That. Yeah. And he used to go there and like work on his car or something like that. And Ralphie would heckle him out the window. 
oh, just wow. yell shit. And Matthew McConaughey like loved it. Like Matthew McConaughey, what's what's wrong with you? Like after that story came out about he and Woody Harrelson, oh, right. and, you know, and like Ralphie was just like shitting on him and he just loved it. And he didn't know who Ralphie was, right. you know, he was just this funny guy yelling out a window. But uh, <laughs> sit at the little table right by the kitchen, the chair and yell shit at Matthew McConaughey. Oh, my God. Well, That's so funny. I think Ralphie would have enjoyed last week a lot. I, I know he did. So. He looked down on us. Like just, you know, everyone kind of ball busting a little bit. Yeah. It, you know, Gary I, Cannon doing a nice tight 20 minutes. <laughs> I know. Gary's mom was so cute. Uh, Jeff Ross was so funny. He was like, Gary, you got a, like, you got a cousin who has a disease you want to bring up here next? Because <laughs> Gary Cannon would bring his mom up on stage. and yeah. uh, She was awesome. And yeah, like, it was very sweet. You know, so many, Jay Moore was great. Really, everyone was great. Yeah, Jay and I was around Jay and Ralphie a lot back then and Jeff when Ralphie was like opening for them. I remember he, when he'd go on the road with Jay and open for him or open for him at Irvine, you know? Right. And, uh, oh, yes, I remember that very clearly because we all worked together and we all, everyone hung out together. And, um, one happy family. Yeah. I mean, they saw what we all saw in Ralphie and they, I think they, uh, did a lot to help him back then. Oh, yeah. Know? I mean, you can't get to the level of Ralphie and, or Jeff or whoever without a little help. Everyone needs right. help. Right, of course. Yeah, they got him in front. You know, Jay put him on TV and, you know, for the first time, I think. And then the, and then he did that movie. I went with him to the premiere, actually, of the movie he did when he was the racist mailman coming <clears throat> and shitting on. Uh, remember that? Right. Yeah. And I, he was so excited about that. You know, I remember that was a really big deal when we went to that movie. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, everyone needs help. Yeah. And that's what was so great about last week was you could tell like the family, the band was back together for, you know, one, one, you know, final send, not final send off, but like, you know, it was nice to see like Jay and Jeff and it was even Mencia. I mean, yeah, you I could was tell impressed with Mencia. That was really. Yeah. I mean, you could tell how loved Ralphie was when Mencia actually did under his tongue. <laughs> yeah. He, that was kind of cool when he said, I'm going to do the first thing, uh, the one thing that Ralphie and I have both never done. I'm going to get off stage early. <laughs> I mean, he did like under five minutes. Not even, I think. Yeah. But you could tell it would like, that's how beloved Ralphie was that Mencia who's, you know, uh, had some, uh, Issues with fellow comics and, and various things. Even Mencia was like, this is Ralphie's night. Yep. That was cool. So. It was. I, I think, um, yeah, it was. It was good to see a lot of people. It was, um, it was good to see them, but it was like, I think I was just in this weird fog that night because I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen Ralphie for a while and then I just saw him and we were talking a lot and we were texting each other all the time and we were tr trying to make more plans. And, um, <sighs> and I remember the night, two nights before he died, he, I, I'm never really on Twitter. I'm just starting to, to do it more because I know it's part of comedy and I need to do it. Yeah, I know. So I'm starting to do it more. And I had written something to Ralphie and I wrote like one of our inside jokes. I wrote, pay the lady, pay the lady. So some people like, sent me like a message or said, you know, what does that mean? And it was, um, I taught Ralphie, 
the how to play blackjack. I mean, he'd played it before, but like I am a gambler right. and I like really care about odds and rules and things like that. So I remember like going through all that with him and we sat there trying to, and we were winning, we were winning that day. So there was this woman at the table with us and she kept rubbing the table every time the chips were coming towards me and she would go, pay the lady, pay the lady, pay the lady. <laughs> and I totally forgot about her. This was so long ago. And then Ralphie remembered it and I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. And when um, he was um, doing gigs on the East coast and I was on the East coast at the same time. So we arranged to meet, I went out to lunch and we were just sitting there and out of nowhere, he goes, you remember pay the lady, pay the lady. I was like, oh my God, pay the lady. Cause for years we would just go pay the lady, pay the lady and just say it. And, uh, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. So that was, uh, the last thing I wrote to him right. and, um, yeah. Well, Ralphie loves you and, uh, we all miss him. I know he is going to be missed. He is missed. I mean, now I have no one to talk about Abdullah the Butcher with. I know you guys had that bond and yeah, we. I never wanted to talk comedy to him because I never wanted him to think I was using him like for his connections or whatever. So I I was just like, well, he knows that uh, you know, Abdullah the Butcher talk is not going to go. He's using me for something else. You know, you know what's cool, Earl is like I was at the just. I used to go to all his last comic tapings. Like I was super supportive. You know, I went to everything and I remember, um, I was at his, uh, uh, his Kilborn uh, taping when he first did that, we all went and then everyone went out for sushi afterwards. And cause that was Ralphie's thing. We'd always go out for sushi and, uh, and go to Miyagi's. Like that was like our place. Like we always went to yeah. Miyagi's <laughs> and, um, cause you know, cause then you could walk back to the factory over to Dublin's, sure. you know? And he, uh, Oh man, what was I just gonna say? Dublin sushi, Ralphie Kilborn. Oh, I was sitting in the front row with my sister at the Just Correct taping, and I remember looking up at him. It's weird to watch it like on screen, and then I remember sitting there and just being so excited for him, and like what a big deal it was, and like so proud of him, and. uh Cause he was so young at the time, you know, and, and it was just like, it was, I just, I knew he was going to do great. But then when I see at the end of his life, like what he actually did, it was beyond the oh expectations. God. You know, he went, he really did. He, he, you knew he was going to be amazing. You knew he was going to do great, but he even surpassed anyone's expectations of him. Even the people that loved him the most, that's how great he was. Yeah. I mean, he's, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, you see people all the time. You're like, oh, they're going to be really funny or great. And you yeah. know, they maybe don't meet the expectations. He ate specials. That's crazy. Like, I just most people don't get that in a lifetime, no. let alone, you know, in your early 40s. You know, you're lucky if you have one or two uh, or one. Oh, so uh, I know. And it's big. It's just so, f- I mean, I can't stop laughing at get that monkey away from that baby. The door of the Explorer bit. It makes me laugh so hard. I cannot, I can't even handle how funny that is. Oh, he was, uh, his talent was way beyond way bigger than his physical size. Oh like, yeah. Um, you know, when they were, when I was putting everything together, I didn't choose a lot of the clips. You know, I, other people, you know, were telling me like which clips. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this, this and that. I go, but can I just have one? And I just want one. And they're like, yeah. 
So I wanted flip-flops. Right. Flip-flops was always my favorite bit because I remember when he came up with the idea and I remember when he first started doing it. And then I remember when it became like this long bit, you know, that it became. And anytime I'd work with him or see him, I'd be like, please do flip-flops, Ralphie, because it always made me laugh. Yeah. He's... I loved flip-flops. I know it's really simple, but... I think some of the best jokes are simple. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Carlin's seven dirty words. Like, mm -hmm. sound like some super complex bit. Right. Like, you know, Ralphie was just so fucking likable. I know. know. It's like, how could you not laugh at anything he says? That smile. I so, know. I mean, I don't want to bum us out too much. But, but. I know. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to hold it together. I just went to a different place. I'm like, I have that weird, you know, ugh. I mean, I cried so much the first few days. I think I'm cry. I'm like, I'm, I'm teared out. Uh, yeah. So now it's like actually better for me to talk about them because I don't. Yeah, we were message messaging each other a lot those those few days. Yeah. I remember oh after. I was a wreck. The, yeah. The day he died, I was like, uh, it's like I'd go like every five minutes, and, and then you know. I wasn't even home for two days. I was like out with people, you know that knew him back then, you know, and a yeah. friend that was, you know, really taking it hard. I stayed with her overnight and it was, uh, yeah, but I think it's, um, Oh, I don't know. It's just, a, I just, I'm just sad. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, there's really nothing to say. Other, I mean, it's, 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 you know, generosity, like, you know, when you can, like, just a handful of people in, in this business who've made me want to keep doing comedy. Yes. Like, literally, maybe five people. Yeah. Uh, who, like, not just because they encourage me, but because right, there is a good side of this business. And I just found it so funny that they were all in the room last week at the improv. They were. Uh, Russell Peters, Dr. Ken, mm -hmm. Jeff Ross, um... You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting, uh, you know, maybe one or two others, but it was like, I don't think that's any accident that all the people that, at least in my life, have made me go, okay, I'll keep going because, you know, uh, there's there's a good side to this business. They were all there. Yeah, that's and, true. And not one person uh, there was there for any reason but to pay tribute to to the king. So. Well, maybe one who was there. Was a few who were not there <laughs> taking so. I mean, you know, like I felt comfortable going. But, no, but everyone was there to right. But I. It, but you're right. Maybe we can end on this note. Just <laughs> oh no, you know, some people were using it as a networking opportunity. I won't say who. Yeah. A couple names that uh, don't need to be discussed, but it's like really. Are you passing out fucking business cards at this thing? Take taking selfies. <laughs> you know, it's like come on, man. Like, you know, even X Pac the wrestler. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you know who X Pac is. He was in the NWO with Hulk Hogan. Even he was respectful. Like it like when you can have a pro wrestler be respectful at someone else's uh you know, memorial, like I think you could dummy up and just you know <laughs> yeah put there, the selfie stick away there was some um post <laughs> you know with people that helped organize it there was a discussion afterwards uh about some things that slipped through the cracks and a few 
things that were not whatever, but it's okay. I'm sure Ralphie thought it was funny. Oh, Ralphie <laughs> I'm sure was he got a freaking kick out of it. And, um, and there was a lot of love in that room. I hugged, I, I hugged people and I hugged and kissed so many people and that I hadn't seen in years. And it was like, I just saw them yesterday and, and it was, uh, and it was, you know, it's funny. It's not funny, but there were some people that like, I know like with Jeff, for instance, like Jeff, I didn't, we didn't even have to say anything. There was just like this looking at each other, like, fuck, can you believe this? You know, just like knowing how much, you know, so much I loved Ralphie and I know how much he loved Ralphie. Oh, sure. And we didn't even need to say anything, you know, and there were other people like that too, where you didn't even need to say anything. You just kind of looked at each other and just kind of shook your head, you know, and, and hugged. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh. And it all had to do with Ralphie being who he was. Like you, when you can get Corey and Chad, like, you know, if you know Corey and Chad, legends of the Inland Empire. I didn't know them. But well, they are like, pretty. Until, yeah. Like they're tough. They're tough guys. Yeah, they're tough uh, guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, the only other thing memorial I've ever been to that was even remotely similar was Rowdy Roddy Piper's memorial. Yeah. Where you know it was uh, for some reason they wanted me to MC it, which was like. That's a tough job. I felt bad. I mean, Gabe did it, did it the best he could in that situation. Oh, unbelievable. And, and I think certainly with all the mixed feelings of, you know, being so close to Ralphie, you know, towards the end of his life, you know, I can't even, I mean, that must've been really tough for him, but he did it, you know, he did the best he could in that situation. I thought he did a nice job and I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to keep it together for me. Oh, he was amazing. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to. Especially with the, some speakers. Like, we'll yeah. go into like it was like this is about Ralphie tonight. I know. Well, some people are like, "Are you going to speak?" I go, "No, no. I made the video, and the that's my that's what I wanted to say." Yeah, you know, oh, I'm not going to speak. I didn't want to speak to be honest. With you. The twins actually, I wouldn't say they forced, but the twins and Mark Gonzalez, yeah, uh, who were, were were incredibly close with Ralphie. Yes. Uh, they told Gabe, put this guy up next. I'm like, no, I don't want to because I thought I'm going to cry. Well, you were on the thing. I mean, there was supposed to be a list of people that were going to speak. But I really like, to, got, as yeah. I was watching, I, I was I don't want to cry up there. And, uh, I, I, you know, the, the twins and Mark basically forced me on Gabe said, put this guy up. And yeah. I was like, I don't really want to. And then when I started walking up there, I started welling up and Jeff Ross uh, yelled from the back, we love you, Earl, or something yeah. like that. And I was like, all right, uh, I can, because uh, I literally practiced what I was going to say for two days going, okay, just, just have your bullet points. Yeah. My sister said, because I remember you were the only person I missed. You, right. I missed you and the magician. Well, I, I think you're glad. I don't know how, who booked that guy, but like. I was just saying <sighs> goodbye to people. So I was out in the front just saying goodbye to some old friends. And then a friend of mine who was just at his father's funeral was flying back here to come to Ralphie's memorial and got stuck on the plane in, in Arkansas. Right. So he was like texting me from the, he's like, I'm stuck on a plane. I'm like, geez, I mean, this guy's had enough this week, you know, and then right. he's just trying to get here. So I was saying goodbye to him and, and some other old friends. And then I looked at the camera and, and saw you were on stage and was like, Oh crap. Earl's on, you know? And then I missed you. I just missed you. So I didn't I, speak that long. You know, I didn't want to like, uh, you know, I just, you know, my sister mentioned it to me. She said, Oh, your friend. Cause then you met her afterwards on the right. way out. She said, Oh, he, he was really good. And he had some nice things to say. Cause she was just a little curious about who everybody was, you know? Right. Well, I was a little concerned about, you know, cause I mean, Ralphie, like I said, bonded over pro wrestling and 
you know, usually when you, I said this on stage, you know, when you tell people you're a pro wrestling fan, they just assume Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. If you're a little younger, it's, you know, The Rock or Stone Cold. But, you know, me and Ralphie really bonded over, uh, you know, Abdullah the Butcher and his jive-talking manager, <laughs> Gary Hart. Uh, and I'm like, well, I'm going to do an impression of Gary Hart, just say goodbye to Ralphie. And uh, X-Pac was in the front row and I was yeah. like, I'm just going to look at X-Pac. He's going to probably be the only one in the room who knows who Gary Hart is. They probably work together. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, X-Pac, who's like lived a full life. If, if you follow pro wrestling, he's, he's been in the news for well, a When you things. explained who he was, then I knew who he was. I know yeah. a little bit about wrestling only because, and I've, I've gone to the headquarters and had the full day of meetings there right. to work there. That's a weird day. And then, you're, you finish what you're saying, but I want to tell you this because I think you'll find it very interesting. But go ahead. Well, no, no. I, so yeah. I just like, okay, I'm going to look at X-Pac. And, and you know, he, he was giving me like the, he was like giving me these nonverbal cues of like, I'm with you, brother. I know who Gary Hart is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that made me not cry just because I'm an X-Pac fan, but I'm trying not to like be excited because it's like, well, I'm, just, I'm sad because of Ralphie, but oh, fuck, I can tell a Gary Hart story and this guy's going to get it. Um, yeah, but it doesn't matter because it's important to you and to Ralphie. Yeah, because that was the, uh, really the big thing, even though Ralphie was always trying to help me, like, hey, let's get you out on the road. Let's get you out uh -huh. of L.A. Let's, uh, you know, let me call this club or this TV show or, you know, uh, there's one, uh, you know, uh, personal problem uh, Ralphie uh, had offered some assistance in. Uh, it's, it's so uh, I was just trying to not cry and then, you know, to see an actual pro wrestler. Mm -hmm. just like uh you know uh who was incredibly nice afterwards uh you know it's just like you know good stuff so mm -hmm. now i know you got a good wrestling story well just i've been there i've been to the headquarters and i was interviewing uh some headhunter sent me in you know as for you know they're always hiring writers there because people quit every five seconds right and and so i went there and i did the whole day but i wanted to write for the women and like i had all these pitches for like you know, the, for the divas and like fun ideas They need it, and yeah. And I was like, you know, they, and that was like my whole angle. But when I went in for the first meeting, it was like with HR and that they kind of warm you up. Then they, they send you right into the fucking wolves. You go right into Stephanie and I'm sitting there with Stephanie who did all of the talking and basically talked about her storyline with triple h, h and uh sean michaels and then who was the other person that they had the thing with uh well i mean x Pac was in that group as well okay they had billy gunn and, there was uh, some other guy and she was just basically she wanted me to jump in and right. go and then that's when you know because right. i didn't realize what she really wanted me to do so i just listened to her and then she's like, okay. And then, and then I picture some of my ideas and we talked for a little bit, but really she just talked the whole time. It was really weird. And then I went into her husband's office and talked to his guy. And that was kind of cool. Cause he had the chain suit thing in there and right. in, in like a display case. It was kind of cool. And I talked to his guy and he's like, well, down in Tampa, this and that, like, and I, then I pitched the, the diva stuff to him too. He was the only one who was really into it. He was like, okay, cool. Everybody else could give a fuck about the diva ideas I had. Like they just didn't even care about it at all. 
you know? And then, um, and then I went from his office into one of the other executives and she was a very straightforward woman. And one of the things she said was, are you okay with stressful environments? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I've worked on shows where people yell and stuff. And she's like, well, Vince yells. I mean, there's a lot of yelling. And um, sometimes you have to do writing on the plane on the way to shows and he could be angry and you're stuck on a plane with him and he might be yelling. And are you going to be okay with that? And I was like, sure. (laughs) Sure. I can handle being screamed at by Vince McMahon. Uh, That sounded terrible, you know, but she's like, basically they kind of warn people, you know, like just so you know, he's really intense and he cares a lot and he's, he's very involved in the writing. So, and he's, he's a passionate guy, you know, in other words, he yells at you. And I was like, okay. And then my final meeting, I didn't realize was my driver going to the airport. That's your final meeting, but you don't know it. Yeah. It's probably a WWE writers masquerading as a limo driver. No, he's been there. He's been the McMahon's driver for like 30 years or something oh, really? like that. He knows the family better than anybody who works there. And he tests you. So he heard me on the phone with my agent saying, you know what? I think it went okay. I think the first meeting, the first two meetings went really well. And then the next two, they just went okay. You know? And then I said something like, I don't know. I think I said something discouraging. And then the guy started asking me questions and I had just gotten married and he's like, Oh, where do you live? And you just got married and da da da. And then at the end of the conversation, he's like, you know, if you want to have children, it's going to be really tough with the schedule here. I was like, huh? And he's like, you know, if you just got married, you know, you know, you work like every week and you're on the road every week. And I mean, do you think you'd be able to handle that and do that? And I was like, um, I don't know. And then he said more stuff that made me realize, oh my God, I'm being interviewed right now. Right. I'm under the microscope. So when I got out of the car at the airport, I shook his hand and I said, thank you. I was like, I didn't realize that this was the final test but now I do. And he kind of smiled. I said, and I think you just showed me that this, I'm not the right fit for this. Right. And, and he said, maybe not. And I said, no, you're right. Thank you. We have very, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a meeting once with Shane McMahon, the sushi restaurant. He, he probably would never remember this, but, uh-huh. and he said, well, give us an idea of a storyline you want to see that, we would do. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm from the 80s, man. You know, <laughs> you know, bad guys winning 95% of the match. And then, yeah. you know, the last 5% of the match, it's almost like the good guy gets these superpowers of recovery. And, you know, the bad guy's cheating and doing everything, you know, wrong. And then the good guy just finds deep inside of himself the, you know, the strength and courage to overcome the adversity. And <laughs> he just looks at me and goes, yeah, we're not really about that anymore. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, I watched the current product. What are you guys about? And he uh, he was talking about the current storyline, which was uh, Triple H and Kane. And uh-huh. Triple H was uh, trying to get Kane to fight him for the next pay-per-view. And it was kind of like a Rocky II storyline where, if you remember Rocky II, Apollo Creed wanted the rematch because he thought, you know, he didn't really win the first fight. Yeah. And the fans hated him. So he's like, well, I got to fight Rocky again to beat his ass. But Rocky wouldn't fight him because he's like, I'm retired. 
It's kind of a similar thing where Kane wouldn't fight Triple H. And then he's explaining to me, well, we see uh, in the storyline, uh, Kane uh, a couple years ago killed a, uh, a little girl drunk driving. I'm like, all right, I just got this pit in my stomach. Like, all right, that's... Uh... He did? Well, in the storyline. Oh, oh. And so the last... Uh... Didn't Shawn Michaels actually run over his kid, though? In real life, I yeah, think. Yeah, in real life. Okay. But in the storyline with Kane, I think the girl's name was Katie Vick. They, she actually had a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Triple H goes to the cemetery uh-huh. and like unburies the body. What? And the last thing you see on the Monday Night Raw or whatever their big show was, I think it was Monday Night Raw, was like a silhouette of Triple H humping the body. No! And, he, and Shane looks at me and uh, I'm like, you know, man, I don't think I'm right for this gig. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't come up with that storyline in a million years. No. But because uh, I think the problem with WWE, I don't really watch the product now after they fucked over my guy Sting, uh-huh. which me and Ralphie had several. Uh, in-depth conversations about sting not uh-huh. the bass player no but the steve borden the wrestler who actually trademarked the name sting oh really so the bass player pays him one dollar a year just for a laugh are you serious yeah. oh that's funny uh, but uh they hire uh people who aren't wrestling fans you know and a lot of comics are wrestling fans oh i feel like they it's the exact opposite i feel like they only want to hire wrestling fans See, I don't think they do. Like, oh. at least when I was like, when uh, I was there, that was the that was the thing, because the guy said every other guy that got in the car this week was like, "Oh, I'm so excited! This was the coolest place ever. I've never been to such a cool place." And I, when I was in the lunchroom at lunchtime, I actually sat with the writer's assistant and talked to him, and had lunch with him. Because like he, I got, he was a huge wrestling fan, and he told me that the other guys were too. I got the vibe from the people I know who were, audi- not, I guess, auditioning to be mm-hmm. writers were like they were comedy writers or yeah. they wanted to introduce because this was kind of getting a little bit more into a PC era because when they had WCW competing, yeah. I think they would try and outsex each other. Uh, yeah. And then they were like, well, we want my, like skits and like, you yeah. know, let's put the rest humor. Vince calls right. it humor. Which some of the things were pretty funny. Like yeah. When they had an 86-year-old Mae Young having Mark Henry's baby. And Mark Henry was a 500-pound self-proclaimed strongest man in the world. And he uh-huh. probably was. They had him having sex with an 86-year-old woman. <laughs> and they have... The sketch was she was in like stirrups, you know, like looked like she was getting... Oh, my God. And they have a guy, a doctor. He's probably an actor. He's like, oh, my God. And they... <laughs> They show him putting his hand basically in her pussy, uh-huh. and he pulls out a hand. <laughs> like they wanted stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas, like, I would have approached it like, All right, we're not going to do that. We're going to have like Mark Henry, you know, beating Triple H, and then Triple H gets superpowers or whatever. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I, I thought they didn't want wrestling fans because, like, wrestling fans are going to have like a a storyline that makes sense right well i feel i feel like it was both i feel like you had to be like you know which makes sense you had to be a good writer a comedy writer and know a lot about the history and the storylines like that's at least what i got from stephanie she was pretty obvious about that uh that was pretty clear 
Well, I, I don't know. It's their company. Whatever. They're, they're a billion-dollar company. That, exactly. So what the hell do I know? Well, I don't know. I just know that I couldn't. I just, yeah. Well, it's like uh, when I uh, walked into Jerry's Deli one time, uh, this kind of brings it back to Kiss. Uh, <laughs> I was with my ex-girlfriend. who all uh, comes around back it does. to Kiss. It always comes back it, to uh, Kiss. All, all roads lead to Kiss. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Paul Stanley was there with, I think it was Tommy Thayer and... Uh, my ex, who uh, manages Motorhead, uh -huh. uh, you know, she knew him from the Kiss convention that she worked in. So he calls her over, not really me. Of course, I tag along. And it's a little small talk and whatnot. And she goes, well, you know, Paul, <laughs> you should ask this guy what should be on your box set. Because <laughs> she knew I was a fan. Uh -huh. Like, I'm a wrestling fan. I know what wrestling fans want. And uh, I could tell he looked at me like, who the fuck are you to tell me what should be on my box set? And I was like, Paul, I know you're thinking that I'm the guy who's going to buy it. And I gave him some. He's, Did you really? You gave Paul Stanley advice on what to put on the box set? I, I told him some songs. I, listen, I'm a fan. Uh, you know, uh, I want to hear like the demos you did with Desmond Child, you know. The, I know you have a Desmond Child thing. That's like the first time you've mentioned him, but I've heard you mention him before too. But like, you know, we've, I didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking, dude, we've all heard rock and roll all night a thousand times. Yeah. Detroit Rock City, you know, some B version of Shout It Out Loud. We want, you know, the demos, Sword and Stone, which was a song, it was a Kiss song, fully recorded. Uh huh. Uh, but for whatever reason, they gave it to a, a, a band called bonfire for the shocker soundtrack it's like kiss fans want to hear your version of that song like you know weird shit like that yeah yeah and i'm just saying that the desmond song time traveler ended up on the kiss box set <laughs> thanks to earl oh it's a great song he may have closed mayhem but he put that song on just kiss. 80s cheese <laughs> just the cheesiest song it's a drum track what's it called it's called time traveler time traveler i'm a time traveler when i look into your eyes it's just it's like is paul singing yeah cheese on top of cheese oh i love uh, it but you know I, I i think shane mcmahon was like dude I don't think I need you to tell me what wrestling fans want. I'm like, well, I'm uh -huh. a fan. Yeah. So, like I had the best storyline for Sting, but you know, that's another. I think people listen to fans more now because of social media. I mean, whether they want to take it or leave it, it's up to them. But I think it's, I think it's important to pay attention. And I think, I think a lot of people do. Well, I mean, I think like, in, especially in the world of pro wrestling, which, you know. I don't think Kiss does. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They should though. <laughs> I, I mean, think they think their fans are weird. No, they're, they're absolutely. Pretty, they, they're good to their fans, but you have to, you know, you pay a lot for the privilege of some of those things. You know, like I told you about those two girls from Japan. Did I tell you that? Mm -hmm. There's these two girls from Japan we met waiting for our plane that were on the Kiss Cruise, and they had Paul Smash guitar. They had the jeans bass with the with the demon um, bass carrier, whatever you call right. the thing, the Punisher. Right, but it it had his face like on it, right. you know, like painted on it, and they had um they they had, they said they bought art, you know, and some of Paul's paintings were like twenty and thirty and forty thousand dollars, you know. Fucked up. Right, I mean they're good. I mean, but everybody wanted to buy the ones that were of the the original band, right. you know. So that you know, it seemed like everybody was buying those. But uh, so they, I did the math in my head, sitting there talking to them about everything they did, also flying from Tokyo, you know. 
and they had must have spent like at least a hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah. At least. I mean, <laughs> for everything that they paid for, I just, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. And I remember like being on the cruise and like talking to people that work with kiss. And like one of the guys was like, Oh, Gene sells the bases for 7,500. I think they were 10,000 on that cruise. And, but you know, he doesn't pay that much to buy them. And I'm like, Jesus. And I didn't know about this at the time. This is like when I first started learning about the meet and greets and how much money things were, you know, and I was like, my God, for 10,000, I was like, what else, what else do you know? And they go, oh, he wears it and plays it. That's why he switches his bass every single song. So those right. guys have to go through and tune and fi- I know. like 20, 30 bases for like, that's insane. Well, how'd you like to be Rick Nielsen's uh, guitar attack? What does he just whip through guitars? Like, but he doesn't give them away. Like he keeps these. Like, yeah, yeah. If you ever watch cheap trick, uh, you know, I, I'm, they're usually opening. Which they're is they're crazy. the only band that I love that I've never seen live. They're, they're amazing. Just, live. They're the only band that I like really like love that I've never seen. I mean, it's not the same without Bunny Carlos. I mean, some might say it's better because the uh, Rick Nielsen's Rick's kid, son, Dax, yeah. is the. And you might say, well, this guy's a little more physically, uh, yeah, you know, able to, you know, right, younger uh, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't want to say Bunny Carlos was the least important part of the band, but I guess if you had to pick one member who was like, you know, be, between him and Tom Peterson on bass, and they're, you know, it's Rick and uh, Robin. Robin, you know, yeah. Uh, so I guess if you're going to like maybe get rid of one original member, you know, would have been one of Bunny or, or Tom Peterson, but yeah, uh, they're amazing live because they still put on, they, they look like they're having a good time. Yeah. I've only seen videos like. and then in the rock and roll hall of fame was cool, but I, I, uh, and I liked, they were really good on live at Daryl's house. That was really good. Well, they like, it's awesome. Like, you know, I'll be honest. Sometimes when I see Kiss, like, I don't, sometimes it might look like they're not phoning it in. And I get it. They're in their mid-60s. I know what you mean about the, I, I the first time I saw Def Leppard, they phoned it in. Right. They totally phoned it in. Then the next time I saw them, I was like, oh my God, this was awesome. Because they were fully committed. But yes, I know what you mean about the, comics do that too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think any entertainer who's done it yeah. for, you know, you look at like. Some nights uh, they just phone it in. You know, when I see Stephen Piercy at the whiskey, because, you know, rats in a weird place where the, there's some legal things going on. And, uh, you know, now they're kind of touring again. But like. Is it true that they named their band after Rat Beach? No, they named it uh, originally in San Diego. They uh, it was called Mickey Rat. Okay. Which I think is a cartoon character. And I think someone said, hey, you can't really. You can't really call it that. You're going to get sued. Uh, and then I think uh, Stephen Piercy just uh, shortened it to rat and okay. added a T. Because there's like a rumor in the South Bay, because I live in Redondo, and like one of, I guess, rat, someone from rat is in rat is from there, from the South Bay. I mean, I think the bass player, uh, Juan Crochet, uh, he's from, pa- well, he lives in Palos Verdes. So okay, some, then that's what it is, because... One of them like lives down there and like his son works at the Trader Joe's. That might be Bobby Blotzer's kid. Okay. The drummer who's not in Rat anymore. Okay. It's so dysfunctional. Right. And then there was another guy who was in a bar one night and Rat was playing. And this is a bar in Redondo, like near where we live. And, and Rat came on and he yells, that's my dad. It's probably Bobby Blotzer's kid. Okay. 
I'm just curious, like what the connection is with the South Bay. But any, anyway, I'm sorry. No, no. I mean, it's it's. Uh, but uh, you know, so Piercy does his own shows. Uh huh. You know, in between rat shows. Which, yeah. And uh, I always have a good time with them because he looks like he's having a good time. That's cool. You know. Uh, That's what I love about Enough's Enough. By right. the way, they have fun on stage. They have such a fun show because people are always like. You know, because Donnie V's not in the band anymore and, and Chip took over lead vocals and he's doing a really good job, you know, and uh, when you see them live, it is a totally different experience, but it is a really fun one. And I love I mean, of course, I love listening to the to the albums and I love listening to the recorded tracks and and everything. But I, I just love seeing them live. They're such a fun band and uh, and they're having fun and Chip's fucking funny. And yeah, he, he makes it so fun. Like they played one. I was saying they played that gig in the daytime, not the night I saw you at the night that uh, the rainbow, at the uh, rainbow. Yeah. But th that was pretty hot too. But the day before it was like 101 and it was in Fullerton. It was like this tiny little place and they had just come back from Vegas and they were all totally tired. <laughs> and, um, and then the show starts and it was like, there it was not, no phoning it in even on a day where it's 101 degrees and there's barely a fan on them. And they're wearing jeans, you know, and Chip's got like a full fucking outfit on and a hat. And I thought they were going to like drop dead after the show because they they sold it. And it was like, oh, my God, I don't even know how they did that show. I, I mean, really that's don't. all I want. Like, yeah, like, they're fun. They're funny and fun. Yeah. If, I just want to I don't want to feel like I'm just almost like a prostitute John relationship or where you guys are just going through the motions and I paid you know, 30 bucks. I shouldn't, maybe that's the wrong analogy, but right. Like, uh, For th my $30. No. <laughs> yeah. I want my fucking $30, Brittany Fox. But like, but did Brittany Fox put on a show though, or did they phone it? Well, in? it was only one original guy. And you could tell the other guys were like kind of bummed out that they're playing in front of 20 people doing songs that they didn't really have much to do with. Uh, you know, just three hired guns, if you will. But like, uh, whenever I see Billy Idol, he kills it. Like, yeah. You know, um, that band looks like they're having fun yeah uh you know other uh, like poison uh, yes i i you know you get the sense that they probably tolerate each other uh you know because you know brett michaels could play on his own and probably make more money you know which is probably what piercy does i mean i'm sure piercy makes more money playing the whiskey with his band and playing a festival with Rat, where he's got to split the money. Right, 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 uh, right. You know, but, true. Uh, which is like, the, you know, when I dated the, you know, the manager for Motorhead, I learned so much about the music industry. Uh -huh. Kind of bummed me out. Like, what do you mean, ghost musicians? What do you mean, uh, Kevin Valentine drummed on Psycho Circus? I thought that was Peter Chris. Oh. oh, oops, did I just say that? Sorry, sorry, yeah. Jane. Uh, I was like, it's such a bummer to like, I don't want to know anything anymore. Like <laughs> inside, you know, info. It's like or, there's no Santa. <laughs> yeah. What? There's no Santa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or when I saw Molly Cruz final concert, I was in the front row. You were at that show? Well, it was uh, their uh, second. Uh, I didn't go to the Staples Center show. I went to the last show they had at the Honda Center. Okay. And because uh, Alice Cooper was their opening act. And I know... Uh, their guitar player, Nita, Nita Strauss, very, uh, you know, amazing guitar player. Uh, I was like, I want to see her up close in, in a huge arena. Cool. And so I paid a thousand dollars a ticket. Whoa. 
It was crazy. I got to say, it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, literally, when uh, Alice would put his foot at the edge of the stage, I could touch it. Oh, wow. You were right there. And you could hear them talking to each other. And it was really worth If you have exposable income or you're doing well in life or whatever, it's worth it. Uh, and then Motley Crue came out and you could tell, I wouldn't say they were going through the motions, but I mean, Mick Mars, it was cruel to see this guy have to stand for an hour and a half. I mean, is he not well? Well, he's got that spine. Oh yeah. 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 That's right. His back thing. Yeah. And he, he literally didn't move an inch, Mm. but we shared a moment on stage because that's how fucking close we were. I was this (laughs) close to him. Uh, and at the end when they're doing the curtain call, he just looked at me and, and my girlfriend at the time, and he has no whites in his eyes. It was like children of the corn. It was like, and he just stared at me. And it was like, here we are, a thousand, twenty thousand people. And he just picked me. It was like we shared a moment. It was really magical. That's cool. But you could tell Molly Crew was kind of just there, you know, yeah. uh, which was, uh, you know, like Alice Cooper. Like he's having fun. Like he's like, yeah. I hear nothing but great things about Alice Cooper. My dad's played golf with him, too. Oh, really? Yeah. When everyone knows he's a great golfer. Yeah, he's a big, uh, you know, I think once he got sober, he's like, I got to have another habit. Yeah. Um, But it was like fun to just, just, and his band, you could tell they enjoy playing with each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. they have three guitar players. And normally, like, you know, if there's three guitar players, they're going to, I'm going to solo. I'm going to, like, they all solo the same amount of time and the drummer's great. Uh, the great Glenn Sobel and uh, you know, it's like an interactive show because Alice Cooper's daughter comes out in the nurse outfit. Oh, that's cool. They chop his head off, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and then Molly crew, like knowing what I know about the music industry now, like Vince Neil would start a song and then he'd put the mic down by his hip to breathe and you still hear his vocals. Uh Oh, and I'm like, oh man, oh, <laughs> I paid a thousand dollars for this shit. And he'd like stick the mic out in the crowd. It's like, dude, this isn't karaoke. I paid a thousand bucks a ticket. I'm two grand in the <laughs> You hole. only have two more shows. Yeah. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. And then I paid five hundred extra to meet Alice Cooper. So, Cause I figured, all right, not many people can afford that. It'll be me, my girlfriend at the time. Was it just packed? No, it was great. Oh, we, it awesome. worked out. It was like seven people back there. Oh, that's great. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, my girlfriend went first and, and, and she was, she was like totally, uh, you know, uh, like, wow, this is Alice Cooper. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and then I get, I was the last guy in line. I'm like, Hey man, it's an honor to meet you for 500 bucks. <laughs> and he kind of looked at me like, shut the fuck up. But then he kind of like, oh, you did pay 500 bucks. You can say that. <laughs> so I was just, you know, I paid $500 so I can say something yeah. about the $500. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's why. You know, and he was great. Of course I, you know, brought up a Desmond child reference. Even to him. Did you did you throw in a Desmond Child? I'm like, hey, you gonna write anything with Desmond Child again? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I am. And uh, I think he appreciated my knowledge of. Is reason to live a Desmond Child song? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. With Paul really overacting there with the girlfriend in the Porsche video, that uh, portion of the video. I I remember shit like that. Mm, I don't remember that video. It was uh, well, they were basically on stage, but someone decided let's have a. Um, like an acting vignette where Paul and this hot blonde are 
breaking up and then the hot blonde throws gasoline on the porsche that they drove up in and okay. uh, it was like a playboy playmate you know okay. any reason to stick a playmate in the video sure sure and any reason to have paul acting yeah and paul's like <laughs> pouting up the driveway and and like he's wearing like this blazer with no shirt on right. it's just like just the cheese i gotta top. see this oh it's great i'm already calling her uh, directed lift paul i mean i i really miss preface lift paul i wish he didn't do it didn't need it. Handsome I mean, without it. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, but, you know, once again, who am I to <laughs> sit there and tell Paul no, I know. what he should do? I miss Gene, uh, pre, uh, whatever he had done. Uh, I don't know. Gene's is okay. Well, uh, I like Gene because he's open about it. You know, right. he put up the pictures of him. He did. Uh, you know, that's why. He did why it on I, the show. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I, I know his son, Nick, a little bit because Nick's a comedy fan. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know the sister, Sophie, all that well. Oh, yeah. Craig knows Nick. That's how when we right. took Rock, Kiss Rocks Vegas, we just sort of, I don't know how we did it, but we went two nights in a row. And one night we had tickets and the second night we just walked in with Craig. And Craig always has backstage passes. He's backstage at everything. I wrote a show for him called Backstage Gas because he's just backstage at everything. And he... um. And Nick, he just went up to Nick and was like, can we stand here? And Nick's like, yeah, you guys can be over here. And he like put us over in this like corner in this like booth. So it was just us and some executive in his family right. and Chris Angel. Oh, sure. <laughs> and, and Craig's friend, Mike kept going, ah, watch out. You're going to bump into Chris Angel. Cause he and I were just like dancing and having right. fun. And it was my birthday. So we were just kind of rocking out. And, uh, and then Craig does what he does at concerts. He would disappear for an hour and we don't know where he goes. Right. And then, and then, and then when he comes back, he always has something like some story or like a surprise. So I go, why do you keep calling that guy Chris Angel? He goes, cause it's Chris Angel. And I was like, Oh, it is. I didn't, I didn't even realize it was actually him. Cause I didn't care, you know? And then, um, shows over and Craig just appears. And then he's got like a bag and Eric's drumsticks. And I go, where, where have you been? He goes here. I got these for you from backstage for your birthday. And I'm like, Oh my God. So he got like, he got me all the VIP stuff that, you know, I don't want to get him in trouble, but it was given to him by someone who works for kiss who had the authority to give it away. So let's just say that he just said, it's my friend's birthday. And remember my friend from the kiss cruise? Oh yes. So he gave it to him. And then, uh, then we, uh, went out after and I was so excited. We were playing cards in the casino and I had Eric's drumsticks with me. And I don't remember saying this, but Craig remembers that I said in front of other people, I went nice one for each hole and, <laughs> or something like that. I don't really, really remember saying that, but uh, I don't think I would say that, but I did, I guess. Well, I'm sure Eric charged him double the price. <laughs> well, especially after I tried to give him back. No, I, I was at a pie gow table when I said that. That's why I don't really remember. So, well, because I was into the game. Before the tape shuts off. Oh, sorry. No, no, there's out. a weird. Is it like 930? No, well, the yoga class is done. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I'd rather talk to you than do uh, poses that I can't do. I have a weird. Uh, point on this thing where at some point it shuts off okay. no 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 we uh, oh. so we could wrap up and uh okay but, but by the way my favorite eric singer story uh-huh is uh this was the first run of the reunion tour and uh, it was like 97 maybe and uh he calls me up and says hey earl i know you're a big fan i got two tickets i'm like oh well i only need one he's like well you got to buy these two. I'm like, oh, you're not going to give them to me? <laughs> like, I only need one. He's like, well, Gene made me buy two. Like, oh, no. So I'm like, well, dude, I only need one. And Eric Singer might be the 
only person on earth cheaper than me. Uh, so I have to go over to his house. I give him money for two tickets. And then he's like, hey, can you give me and my friends a ride to the show? So I'm in a, I had a Ford Expedition at the time. So I got Eric Sanger, the, the keyboard player from uh, Guns N' Roses, Teddy, not there's Dizzy Reed, but then Teddy Andreas was also a keyboard player. A couple other people. And they all leave to get into the, the show. I have to unload my ticket, the extra ticket. Uh-huh. So I have to go to the scalpers fucking snake pit of hell. Is this before StubHub? Yeah. So okay. you had if you had an extra ticket, you had to, you know, you had to walk to where all the scalpers were, and I'm being yeah. encircled by 30 scalpers. <laughs> uh, so I, I sold it to a scalper for like a hundred bucks. And just to show you the markup they do on these tickets. Oh, I know. The show starts. No one's sitting next to me. Three songs in this guy sits next to me, sweating bullets. He looks at me and goes, how much did you pay for your ticket? I'm like, a hundred bucks. What'd you pay for your ticket? He's like, 750. Like, that's how much they like, that's how much a scalper made off of my, you know, thanks to Eric Singer for the hookup. (laughs) Fucking bastard. Uh, So, Courtney, where can people find you on social media? Well, on Twitter, I'm Court Crow, C-O-U-R-T-C-R-O. And uh, under my full name, Courtney Cronin Dold. And same with Facebook, Courtney Cronin Dold. Instagram. Uh, is an annoying name. It's like Court Crow Dold. I don't know. I made it before I really thought I would take Instagram seriously. And I'm still working on that. But uh, Well, I'll find it and put it in the appropriate uh, thank you. Uh, thing on SoundCloud. I pump out, which goes to iTunes. Uh, follow Courtney. She's the best. Uh, and once again, uh, if you were lucky enough to be at the Hollywood Improv last week, she was like the true star of the uh, memorial because she uh, did a great job under a tough circumstance. So uh, any of that stuff going to be released uh, maybe for the public? Uh? Um, it's still being discussed, but the link to the tribute video is on my Facebook page. So if anyone okay. wants to see it, they can just message me and or they can go to the link that's on my Facebook. But we're not posting it anywhere because right now it's a private link. Right. Um, and the slideshow um, was just for close friends and family. Right. But if okay. someone couldn't make it, you know, then we'll give them the link to the slideshow. Well, yeah. uh, become fans of Courtney's. Any shows coming up or anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, I'll be at the Comedy Store December 20th um, doing an, a female show that Craig's actually hosting. I bet he is. He is. And then I'm just going to be on the road randomly. I'll be in Wichita and in Lincoln, Nebraska at the beginning of December. Then I'll be in Key West on the 16th. And then I'll be in San Antonio with Matt Eisman. Oh, Matt Eisman's the best. Yeah. He, he, he really like me and him started off at a shitty pizza place in Westwood called pizza Ex- Italian express crazy Craig, uh, car, not gas. It was like this maniac host. And it's just so funny to me to like, you know, I'm sure we both could go on for another hour talking about shitty shows we did, <laughs> you know. And That's like, for sure. Hear Matt Eisman, you know, 12 years later, one celebrity apprentice. Yes. Uh, you know, I start, I did open mics with Whitney Cummings at uh, the Sportsman's Lodge, an outdoor open mic. I remember the Sportsman's Lodge, yeah. So uh, become fans of Courtney's. Uh, you'll know where to find her when I post this up. And, uh, you know, she's one of the good ones in this business. 
inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. Leave a goddamn review, really. I, we just, me and Courtney just spent over two hours <laughs> giving you a good podcast to listen to at work or at home or whatever. Just go on iTunes. Go, hey, the show sucks. Or it's great. What, I leave Mala. Of course, I, I can't take the bad ones down. So uh, <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, we'll uh, have some more uh, guests next week. Gary Cannon, maybe. Uh, Gary Cannon will be coming out of the closet officially on Inappropriate Earl. And uh, if you have a memorial, have Gary Cannon host it. It'll literally go on forever. 